Hi, I'm Harry. I'm Luke. And welcome to Who Can Convince You? The podcast where we discuss two Doctor Who stories to see which one can convince you. And a few other bits thrown in there too. Welcome to episode two of Who Can Convince You. I'm Harry. I'm Luke. How are you? I'm doing really well. So I feel different this week. I'm not so too you sure. Sound different. Oh, do I? Well, hopefully, if all has worked out, you should hopefully sound different. A lot was invested in this setup right now. I thought the audience, our our audience, our listeners deserve more. Uh, I'm sure they're all breathing a, a sigh of relief. I'm sure they are, because the last two episodes we recorded uh, hurt my ears, so... It was horrific on one side of the headphones. And it wasn't... Yeah, it was me. um, But hopefully that has all changed now. Would you like to tell us what we're discussing today? I did it last time. I think it's your turn to shine. This week, my two choices of episodes is The Impossible Planet... And the Satan Pit, uh, this is from the Tenant Era, I think uh, season three? What's it? No, season two, sorry. Season two, this is. And what have you chosen, Harold? I have chosen the Spearhead from Space, season seven, episode one, off the top of my head. I hope I'm not right. Production code, I think I know what this is. I think it is production code AAA. Isn't that embarrassing? No. No, I it's not it, at all. I know, genuinely, I have not got that written down. But I'm sure I've seen it and remembered it at some point in my sad existence. Imagine if that's not correct, though. Oh, yeah, it's going to sound awful. If it isn't correct, we'll cut that bit out and just put a little bit of music over it. Well, I mean, I'll see if I want to cut it out, but yeah. So, um... (laughs) <laughs> so which one do you want to cover first before we get into the segments? Uh, I think we're going to go straight into The Impossible Planet. Let's do it. Let's play that jingle. Okay, so the impossible planet we're going to start off with, yeah? Absolutely. Fantastic. I hope that <laughs> is the first episode. That is the one that comes first, isn't it? Impossible, the impossible planet. planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the same bit. Okay. No, I was just checking for my, my benefit, as you are the expert on the new series. So um, why don't you synopsize for me? Synopsis now. Oh, you want a synopsis now? Well, I suppose so. I, th- I would have thought, well, you know, it's a good way to... No, I can give you a synopsis. So, okay. the Tenth Doctor and Rose Tyler lose the TARDIS down a deep chasm, leaving themselves stranded on a space base position, positioned on a planet in the orbit of, the, of a black hole. Meanwhile, an entity who identifies as Satan himself is awakening and beginning to cause chaos amongst the crew. Lovely. I'd imagine that'll cause quite a ruckus. I m- imagine that'd be terrible. Yeah, it'd be awful. It would be awful. So, I'll tell you what, let's... Um... 
where would you like to begin the discussion? Uh, overall thoughts. Overall thoughts. Overall thoughts. Okay, I'll tell you what, but I'm going to throw that back to you and say, what do you think I thought of it? What are you expecting me to say? Because I reckon you're, I think, because I've got what I think you're going to say about Spearhead from Space. I'd like to know what you think I think of this. I would find it hard for someone not to think it was at least of decent quality. So I'm going to say you enjoyed it. Okay. Overall, you enjoyed it. I thought. I reckon you thought that the story was good. And you would be correct. Brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was... Because it's exactly that. Yeah. It, it was good. Oh, just good? Yeah. yeah it's, it... Yeah. It was good. Well, this happens to be uh, one of my favourite episodes of Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, at least that I've seen, but I can't see much topping it. I'm not saying it's, like, perfect, but... All the episodes preceding it don't come close, to be honest. Right. I can't. I, to be honest, I can't really think what it's surrounded by, episode-wise. I can tell you what episode comes after it. Oh, can you? Oh, no. Well, after the Satan pit. Go on. What is it? All I know is that it's Peter Kay's um, Absorbal Off. It's Love and Monsters, isn't it? It is. We're going to talk about that. We'll Not get, today. Uh, we'll get there day. eventually. Oh, you're going to love it. Oh, God. So, one of my favourite moments in the whole ep- like two episodes uh, is when the Doctor goes down... The pit in the second is that the the start of the second episode that is isn't it yeah the Satan pit yeah I think it's fantastic because there's rope yeah because especially how it's shot like there is nothing else but the Doctor and his thoughts I think that's great there's her on the top of the rope though isn't there yeah but only to like (laughs) only to spur on the conversation yeah 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 it's tenant he's mostly talking to himself yeah um it's just brilliant though. So what was your favourite moment in this episode, the story? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying I think the story is great. Oh. The idea of the story is brilliant. Oh, the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the base under siege thing, because that is a classic Who thing, where you put everybody mm. in a confined space, give them a problem, Yeah. And see well, what happens. in this episode, story, sorry, there's a lot of problems. Yeah, and I think it deals with a lot of them quite well. Mm. I will say... For me, the ending is a bit of a letdown. Yeah, uh, I I was scratching my head trying to think of a way the ending wouldn't be shit. But yeah, I think I might have stumbled on something. I don't know if if this was their intent. It's it's hard to excuse to be honest. So, but what was your favorite moment though? What was my favorite moment? I the only moment that stands out for me as being a sort of a wow moment was where the character whose name I completely I can't remember at all is outside where they think she's in habitation zone th- 3 13 or something hmm. and they all go to find her and she's not there and then they open the open the the uh, ceiling light thing and she's float floating yeah outside the glass it's fantastic that isn't it i will say the music does my head in yeah it it well, in those scenarios where, like, you see, um, I think her name's Skatori Manista. Uh, yeah, that is her name. Uh, when I, I will say that, that that is one of the problems. where I can't remember her name because, for me, even though the two parters in New Who do a much better job at fleshing out everybody, mm. I just I don't take to any of the characters because I don't think they've got a very nice chemistry with each other. Yeah, I would say that, especially in this episode. It's quite... They've got, like, no respect for each other. Or, like, select few people. Like, by the end, when Toby gets swept out of the spaceship, no one cares. No. 
like they're just glad he's gone. He has a horrible death as well, getting sucked into a black hole. So Toby is the one with the um the sharpie all over his face. Isn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when he turns yeah. over his hands for the first time, seeing the the ink, it's amazing. It's so obviously yeah. sharpie. Do you know what? I just thought of another moment that I thought was brilliant. Mm. When Rose is in the canteen talking to the Ood about the, fo- uh, the food. Yeah. The Ood about the food. That's hard to say. With the soy and, sauce. Um, the so- yeah, oh God. But anyway, there's this little bit where the Ood says, the beast and his army shall rise from the pit to make war against God. Yeah. Rose says, I'm sorry. And the Ood looks at his little ball and taps it and says, sorry, I, I hope you enjoy your meal. Yeah, that is true, isn't it? And she just, just plainly just goes about a day like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Hey, did I tell you that Ood over there? He said, what did he say? The beast? <laughs> it's something. Armies, pit, war. God. Like, surely to God, you'd, you'd mention it, wouldn't you? And what a weird thing it is to choose what I would have thought would be, like, the villain of villains. Like, he's the worst thing you can you could go up against. David the devil himself. Oh. Now, <laughs> I just thought, what an audacious choice to choose. Yeah. Uh, should we? Let's just talk about the devil for a second. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about... Because I think this episode's very philo- philo- uh, philosophical. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> and I, I, why has Doctor Who ever gone with anything to do with religion? Yes. They have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the occult and stuff like that. There's there's a few. Mm. There's a few church setting episodes and, you know. Oh, but so like the main villain is something uh, to do with a religion or like biblical. Uh yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple of Greek mythology. Yeah, there's a couple of Greek myth- mythology villains and yeah. I don't want to give too much away because no. this is all going to be for you to explore, but yeah, it is done. It has been done before. Oh, okay. Not to this extent, you know. Well, that's it. Sort of the devil is in a pit in a you know by a black hole. It's like Alien, and I'm sure a lot of people say that about Doctor Who. Um, but this episode is like like Alien, but we replace Alien with the devil himself. Wow. Yeah, it sounds awesome, but I don't think the episode really captured the demon. It's not demon, the devil. Like, and I think that's because it's what is Doctor Who rated a PG? Yeah, probably. Well, mind you, at this point. It could be a 12, you know. No way. I seem to remember, at this point, I probably would have bought the series DVDs. Hmm. And I remember a few of them being 12. I think, I'm pretty sure Christopher Eccleston's ones is a 12. Hmm. Yeah, it seems wrong. like something like a 12. Yeah. It's like one scene in the whole box set, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, ruins it. It's a 12 now. Um, so, the Beast, the main villain. Yeah. Uh, can we just say, like, almost everything in this episode just defies physics and science. Are, you, are we on about the gravity tunnel that's somehow letting people get down to the planet? Pretty much everything. Yeah. How they were able to escape at the end with the rocket, how they didn't get... A planet can get sucked into a black hole, but a rocket can't. How is that yeah. possible? Well, they're travelling down that, that gravity corridor, aren't they? So it'll all be all right. You know that gravity car- corridor that people can get down, but is also pushing against the black hole? You know that yeah, one? Yeah, against something that is absolutely unknown to have any physical bodies, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. That, well, maybe people should have thought about that. Well, more. I don't think they really cared much. I reckon this episode's more about, like, history rather than science. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Which is strange. Because they're on a sci-fi station, but yeah, 
they just talk about the devil and the beast throughout history and what it's always meant to the doctor through the episode i just think it's really really interesting and the doctor never um like denies that he's real his his existence is real which i think well it scared me it scared me my phone went off during the episode i was like oh god christ (laughs) yeah it was great it's yeah and i think that the cgi of the devil holds up quite well yeah it's not bad I, I, I didn't think you'd say that. To be One honest, thing but... I will say yeah. about it, though, is that they did go for quite a generic devil. I think they could have done something else with it. But if you're going to do the devil, you've got to just, you know, you can't just do like a red blob and say, oh, no. that's actually the devil, you know. Well, I think the whole premise is that the body doesn't really mean anything anyway. Because if it's you, a conduit. Like, the, he was just in his beast form. The mind was elsewhere in Toby, possessing yeah. everyone. All the attacks from that villain, all the bad things he did, was all psychological, which I really liked as well. Yeah, and I will say, the voice of the beast yeah. is Gabriel Wolfe, who, uh, who was Sutek in a Tom Baker story called Pyramids of Mars. <laughs> and he's got a great voice. He's one of the all-time, I reckon, great villain voices. Fantastic. No way. Oh, yeah. What a brilliant voice. The, the voice creeps in for the first time, I think, when Toby is studying the like scriptures. Yeah, the don't turn around bit. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? I hate it. Just how it's brilliant. effective it is. And apparently, like, he's got around. a terrifying voice, but apparently he's a really, really nice bloke. Oh, fantastic. Doesn't Which make... you know that <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything, does it? Really, that's what a stupid thing to say. You know, he's got I a horrible it. voice, but he's a nice bloke. It makes that scene more impactful. I feel. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but just some of the quotes. He bathes in the black sun. Brilliant. Oh, it's it's such a nice, exciting episode for me, at least. Um, I'd say the bass looks great as well. The bit, yeah, the sets and stuff. Around every corner, yeah. you'll see some form of scripture or scribble, either on tables or walls. And yeah. it's unclear if they are like the beasts sort of language, or like the ancient ones yeah. that was there before, or it's just like numbers. I think it's great. Yeah. Um. So, should we go from... Oh, you did mention the music, didn't you? I did mention the music, yeah. I've... And yeah, I will. I will say, and I think I've said, I have said this before, actually, that I am not a massive fan of Murray Gold. No, neither am I. He's, you know, he's done a great job to be able to score so many, you know, such a huge, wide, lengthy story. You know, Mm. from he's all the way to the end of Russell T. Davis's era. No, he isn't. He did Stephen Moffat as well, didn't he? I think. I don't know. I but you know, know, he's done. He's done hundreds of episodes, which, you know, fair play to him. I wouldn't like to try that. Did he try something new in this episode? Um, I th- Because I, I, I've not... Do you know where um, the Scarlet system gets sucked into the black hole? And there's the cello, is it? Yeah. Is that that point? I cello? quite liked it. I have this thing, and it, it is a pain that... Not when I get it in for somebody, I can't, I can't like, <laughs> forgive them. But you know when you've become aware of something and then you just keep hearing it? Yeah. So, like, the current guy that's doing the music, I can... Oh, what's his name? I can't think of what his name is. He loves French horns. French horns. Yeah. 
Okay. And it's especially in like the the last the revolution of the Daleks episode, he does this thing all the time with a is I think it's a sharp five, or a sharp four. It's some of them. It's it's one of the a clashy interval. Bam yeah. bam, and he does it. You just keep hearing it all the time. And when you know when you've heard something and you can't unhear it. Yeah. And you think there it is again, there it is again, there it is again. And it's the same for Murray Gold, but I think that's that's the sort of territory that comes with if you're the only composer on something. You hear it in everything, you know, and the old series is definitely, you know, you can accuse it of that because it was normally it's Dudley Simpson for the most part of the early bits and then the Radiophonic Workshop for the later part. But and you can and everybody's got their tropes, you know, I'll do things. If I've got to write write something, I'm gonna use the things that make it sound like me. I'm not putting myself in the same category as Murray Gold and composers, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? That, yeah. You know, everybody's got their crutch, and Murray Gold has definitely got his his sound, and he's got, you know, he's got a sound, and he's got it down, and he can compose, and people like it. Mm. You know, so I'm I'm not I'm not here to judge it just because I don't like it. Everybody else obviously did, otherwise he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have done all the music he's done. But he's just got some annoying. It's the sort of forced aspect of the music of sort of right now's your time to cry. It tells yeah. you the emotion all the time. When I think sometimes silence silence is golden. I'm gonna you touch know, on like, that for your episode. Okay. Because I almost disagree. Oh brilliant. I hope so. I'd like us to disagree. I would as well. This is there's who certain can times yeah, this is who can convince. And yeah, but yeah, Murray Gold, I've got nothing against him. And some of his scores are great. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head or themes that come back to me. I can't think of anything that's from Doctor Who. Off the top of my head. Yeah, that he's done. Rose's theme. That I think. Uh, is that the. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not going to bash Murray Gold. But you are anyway. But I will say... No, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's... You know, it works. It works. It does work. If you just if you just switch off and listen... Well, could it be better? Well, be- but what's better? Well, who has done it better in, in throughout Doctor Who history? Who's done it better throughout Doctor Who history? I'd say some of the early stuff, some of the music concrete stuff in the William Hartnell stories mm. is brilliant because it's more atmosphere. And... That is something that's starting to come back in Jodie's era with this new... Comp- oh, I can't think of what his name is, and it's annoying me. I can't remember. I can't remember! 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 But he, d- he has, like, two modes. He's either in atmosphere mode, which is great, mm. or he's in drum machine and French horn mode. <laughs> And that is the bit I can't. I, but it's it's going with the times as well, isn't it? Like I listen to the I listen to the music, thinking, do you know what? Like a Bernard Herrmann score would be great underneath this, like some clashy, you know, something mm. horrible. And it never does what I think it's going to do, because it's sticking with the trend. Like at the minute, all those sort of trap beats of really fast hi hats, with organic instruments is in vogue now, so they're going to do it because that's what people like, you know, it's hmm. it's like people, you know, like Clean Bandit the band, they do that where they mix orchestral with electronic stuff and, you know, it works and it's, it's yeah it's in vogue, so they're going to do it, aren't they? And it's, but I will say, know, and especially in Tenant's uh, 
Christopher Eccleston series mostly, I think, it ages horribly. Like the music. It it ages, yeah. I think it generally it ages because of the technique that it's been recorded. Okay. That sentence made no sense. But I think, yeah, it's it's digital. It's orchestral. But it's sort of, it's it's done quick, I think. Mm. It's, record, it's recorded quickly. Where, you know, obviously they're still, they use the BBC Concert Orchestra, I think. And they're amazing. The Concert mm. Orchestra are fantastic. Great players, great readers, everything. But then again, it comes back to the way it's arranged as well. The music can be great, but if you get an, if it's arranged, I don't think Murray Gold arranges the music. I think he just composes it, and somebody else arranges it. It could be the arranger's fault, the way it sounds like it does. So Murray Gold could just be sketching and just says, "Right, can you just fill in the gaps there and put, you know, put a cello line there and an oboe line there and just sort of fill out the gaps." Oh, so when you see for people who don't know music, when you say arranging, you mean literally where they're going to sit in the theatre. When they record or the, the studio. no 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 uh, so like music arranging so if I if I had to write an orchestral score say Chibbers gets on the phone and says yo H got some sick uh, TV for you to compose for do you want to do some Jody work you know <laughs> season work. thirteen see what you want I'll be like yo Chib Chib yeah sick yeah. man hit me up and then he'll send me over the stuff so if I was going to compose an orchestral thing. I would, or normally what you would do first to get a sort of bare bones idea is you wouldn't write in every bar of music for all of the strings. My voice broke then. For all of the strings. So you wouldn't go, right, there's the cello line and there's the bass line, there's the first violins, there's the second violins. You know, you'd do it, you'd sketch out bare bones. So you do your basses, you maybe do a cello line, maybe do a string line, uh, some percussion, an oboe, and a melody idea. Then you take it to an arranger and say, there's the main idea of it, but what I want is a white bit thicker there. Can you make the oboe follow the string line? Can you da-da-da-da-da? And they'll sort of flesh it out. So you've you've composed it, but the arranger's doing a lot of the, not a lot of the work, but they're adding bits. And as long as the composer checks and says, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So could it be considered like a director? No, like a cinematographer is to a director. Uh, possibly. I that's not my I, I I don't know enough about that to uh, comment I, I, I say what it what it could be what it's sort of like I suppose is say somebody writes a script and then the script editor is checking it for continuity okay so I hand in a script and that's fine but then the script editor will say well you can't do that because so and so so and so can't do that and da, 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 and it said last episode that he was there and not there so it's sort of you know they they're making it playable. Because yeah. I think a lot of these composers, this, this might sound, but a lot of these composers aren't trained as composers. They've sort of moved on to be doing it. So they're not 100% adapt at writing for orchestra. So they're going to be writing in a way, which is why it comes back to, and I could be completely wrong, and I said this last episode, that I think Murray Gold is a guitar player mm. because his scores sound as if he's thinking like a guitar player he must have written them on a piano you know his scores yeah but he is he sounds like he is composing like a guitar player and that's not a bad thing i'd sound like i'm composing like a piano player and like stuart copeland who was the drummer for the police he did the music for um spyro the dragon no way the the game Yeah, yeah yeah he did the music for that and he composes like a percussionist because he's a drummer yeah 
and you can hear it because it is you know with, with are you saying that the, the people that the show is employing to do the music yeah. um gr- like i'm guessing in this instance more than most greatly affects the outcome of um like the soundtrack oh yeah well yeah in, in what sense do you mean so like say um was it chibnall you said yeah chris he's the showrunner now Oh. He's the Russell T. Davis and the okay. Stephen Moffat. So who was the one who did the soundtrack for uh, my episode now in Impossible Planet? Uh, it would have been... Well, Murray Gold did the music for it. And it's a Russell T. Davis story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't write it, but he's the he's the, the showrunner at that point. Yeah. So Russell T. Davis will have gone to Murray Gold and said, right, I need some music for this bit. And I need you to sort of... Well, I'm assuming, unless he has free reign. At this point, Murray Gold could have had free reign where they just say, right, here's the episode. We need music here, here, mm. here, here. Do what you want. Well, I don't know if that could be the case, though, because it seems like the he reuses an awful lot. And like you said, the crutch. Like, if it was complete freedom uh, just to capture a sort of, like, emotion in the music. I'm, I don't yeah. know if it is. Uh, I think it is quite... It must be quite restrictive. It it must be. It's, it's hard, because it's like... If you go into a studio and you've got 63-piece orchestra or however many people they have on those sessions for the... For, you know, for Doctor Who. It's like, well, where'd you start? Free reign. It's it's hard to compose, I think. Like, whenever I've, like, because I did the the theme for this, didn't I? Yeah. And the little bits like that. And sometimes, because there's loads of keyboards here and guitars and stuff, it's hard to sort of be creative with so much stuff because you've yeah. got too much choice. Whereas I think if you narrow it down, that's why a lot of these, you know, traditional composers, I say traditional, like your Randy Newmans and your James Horners, John Williamses, they they just orchestrate at the piano rather than in a mm. studio with loads of synths and, you know, loads of virtual instruments of string samples and da-da-da-da-da because they can hear it better and they're, they're less distracted by it. And yeah. I completely forgot what my point was. But yeah, so they're relying on their crutch, but their crutch is sort of... No, it wasn't. You were asking about be ultimate, like being able to be creative in any yeah. way that you want. Just like yeah. free reign. And like if if like the showrunner does give them free reign. Yeah, if they do have free reign, it's going to be hard, really, because you, really, you can't push the boat out too far because it's got to work... Yeah. So you can't just be, right, everybody, turn your violins over and punch them. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a point, isn't there, where creativity takes over from mm. what its point, what its purpose is. It must be so frustrating for a musician as well. Because yeah, you know, it, once the script is there, no, you can't, go, like, well, I suppose it must, must be kind of similar to how a filmmaker would do it. So the script is there, as would be... Uh, the driving force of why you would want to make a music piece for a certain scene. Uh, but you can infer certain emotions and things like that in the piece that you're working on. Like you could change the shot or change the cinematography, like to infer the different things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's a, first and foremost. The story's got to be great. Yeah, which I think, at least the premise for this episode is great. The story is great. Yeah, I would say. Do you know if when this was handed in, I don't know who wrote it actually. Who who did write this? Matt Jones. Have you got any more info on him? Did he write any other episodes for Doctor Who? Am I just being thick? I didn't look up Matt Jones now. No. So you know, if when he brought that script in, I'm sure there was a bit of tweaking. It wasn't sort of perfect straight away. No. If it was, never is. You know, I mean, scripts can change on the day of filming. Yeah. So, 
but the premise of the story, and I'd say for the most part, the story is great. There's certain points that let it down. Mm. But I think first, if you've got a story that's great, you can only complement it. So I think the music, it comes after the story, obviously. Yeah. So you're composing the music to fit with what's going on on screen. So when there's a sad scene, you're going to write a sad piece of music. The thing I find with it, though, is that his music almost makes it tacky. Like I'm feeling sad because I'm... F- I'm told to. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like vibrant advertising. But then it, it, it's hard to do it. It's you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, but on a, on the different side of the coin, Randy Newman, hmm. a composer I respect. You know, he's up there <laughs> with the gods. You know, yeah. um, writes all the music for Pixar films. Mm-hmm. But Randy Newman writes the music for the Pixar film without seeing a single shot of the film. Right. And without a script. Um, he must be told at least... He can't have just randomly chosen a great song. So not the songs. When he composes for a film, mm. he is just told the basic storyboard of the film. Okay. So from what he said in an interview, all he asks for are the storyboard pictures and a rough idea of what they want. And they trust him enough. Like, are we talking like a treatment, like a... Like a brief summary of the script. Yeah, that's all he wants. Wow. So he's gonna. He just gets said right in this scene. This character is gonna die. Yeah. And it works well because the music generally doesn't hit any points. So occasionally you get say a character falls over. Something will happen in the music to reflect that that character has just hit the ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas his music sort of sits on top. And I mm. think that's a much better way to build atmosphere in most scenarios. Yeah. In some scenario, you do need you, you need it sometimes, but for the most part, it works. And I think that's why I liked that uh, music when I see I've forgotten her name again. I said it earlier on, but when that girl's floating in space, or when that galaxy's getting sucked up into the black hole. Yeah. Like it's the only music I found apart from the rose theme, just how repetitive it is. I think that's why it's stuck in my mind. It just—I mm. don't know why, but it's just memorable to me. Well, that's good then. It's done its job, isn't it? I suppose it has. Yeah, I suppose it has. Well, that's—you know—at the, at the end of the day, if you've come away liking that, then who—who who am I or who is anybody else to judge it? Yeah. It's done its job. It made you feel an emotion without pissing you off. Yeah, absolutely. Where most of the time it does piss me off because in my notes I actually put, "I'm surprised at how what's the opposite unloud, how quiet." <laughs> How unloud it is. <laughs> How quiet uh, this piece was. Because I thought yeah. it's going to be trying to drive home how sad the scene is, but it wasn't ridiculous. Yeah, loud. there is a tendency for that, isn't there, in this era yeah. of the music being sort of cry now. And, it, and it, the music was in the rest of the episode, but for some reason in this particular scene, it wasn't. It, I, I felt it was just right. Perhaps somebody just slipped on the fader. Maybe. maybe and just maybe. happened on gold. Yeah. Perfect. So, so anyway, that's been a long tangent on music. I promise not to do it again. Well, we know now, don't we? And I feel like we we had to do that at some point. And it's better to get it over and done with now, because I'll fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And just be going, did you know uh, Randy Newman was using a Steinway Model D when he wrote that? Uh, no way. Yeah, really. Um, But in the future, we can re- refer back to this episode. Simple we as that. Can, yeah. We'll just cut that bit out. And we'll play it back every time. Every I time. Anything to do with music. That half an hour, we'll just play that back. Every time. So that's something to yep. look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? So Rose's relationship with the Doctor. Right. You have your say. 
Yeah, in this episode, usually, and prior to this, it's annoying. I, I, it's it's like two school school children at the back <laughs> messing around. You know, can you stop that? Yeah. Hey, um, David. <laughs> Right, front of the class now. Get in the corner. But yeah. in this episode, it wasn't so much, I felt. It was generally just two people who were having fun and then were suddenly told that they, they were stranded. I felt it. I feel I felt it. And I feel like the doctor wouldn't believe it. You could see it in, in Tennant's face. But I think this episode is a good uh, good to put on Tennant's CV. He probably wouldn't. <laughs> um... Even Rose, I think. She's annoying in some parts, but I felt she had her time to shine in this episode. Which is strange, yeah. uh, because later on, you know the episode Fear Her with the drawings that come to life? Vaguely. Is or, that the Olympics one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Everyone always says the Olympics one. I asked yeah. my, my uh, brother about it yesterday, and I can't remember, and I said the Olympics. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but in that one, the Doctor also... Uh, like, disappears and gets stranded somewhere. And she has a complete meltdown. She doesn't know what to do. But in this episode, where the situation's even, like, worse, because she's not even on Earth and she's stranded, she handles it. She yeah, she acts like the Doctor would in that situation when he's not there. And I was surprised that... I haven't seen a companion do that. I've only seen Martha just woo over the Doctor, or Catherine Tate just say, What? The whole time. Yeah. What? Uh, the episode I'm up to uh, with the new series is uh, the the last like three of Martha Jones. And I kind of remember her right. uh, being like a little powerhouse in those episodes. I might be wrong, though. Uh, but what did you think of the, the Rose, uh, Rose, Rose and the Doctor? Okay. I have got mostly good things written down on my docs for this hmm. episode. My... Sorry, I just burped into the mic. <laughs> I am... Um, <laughs> sake. I am... Um, apologies. But I have got one thing written down that I did not like. Mm. And the thing that ruins this ep- episode for me is the Doctor and Rose's relationship. Oh. I cannot stand it. <laughs> okay. From the moment they get out of the TARDIS, I hate them. Ah. And I, I don't get this very often, I ca- but honestly, it was unbearable. Right. The constant giggling, the holding each other. I've got mm. no problem with physical affection, I promise. But I just can't, I cannot bear them together. Well, it's a good thing they're not together anymore, isn't it? It is a good thing she's trapped on a parallel world and he's gone. Right. So, honestly, I, I'm not trying to be mean here. I am, probably. No, I I fully respect that they are annoying, yeah. I just didn't think Honestly, in this episode they were so annoying, more genuine. So for me, right, if that relationship was different, or maybe it was even Martha, or dare I say, Catherine Tate, yeah. this story, I think, would be at the top. Uh, uh, I'd put it in like my top ten stories, Doctor Who stories. Of all time. I'd put it up there, yeah. But their their relationship, Rose and the Doctor in this is so unbearable for me to watch that I can't enjoy the story as much as I want to. Yeah. No, they absolutely are downfalls. It's such a shame. And honestly, not much else bothers me. Yeah. I haven't got that, that many bad things. I've got some points of sort of, that wasn't very good, da, 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 but honest, oh. It's just scary when the Doctor is far better at being a Doctor when he's alone. Like, Rose should be there to support him. 
and build build his character, and all it does is reduce him to a little schoolgirl at the back of the class. Yeah, I mean, I will say a companion is definitely necessary. There's an episode yeah. in the classic era where the Doctor is on his own for a whole story. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. I might, yeah, I might have done. And it, but it is completely necessary that there is a companion because there is no. The companion is us. Mm. I've said this before, haven't I? Yeah. Well, otherwise, you just have voiceover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, the companion is us on the journey. Yeah. And I am not Rose Tyler. No, I'm not either. <laughs> there is. No. Uh, yeah. Honestly, there. I just. I'm more of a Jackie. Ugh. Oh, hello, darling. What's the matter, what's darling? A, what's wrong, darling? So. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the U? This um, is their first appearance. Brilliant. Oh, really? Yeah, I think the Ood are great, and I would say I wish they didn't come back after this. Because I think they come back twice, maybe three times after this story. It must be in the Cat and Tate series. Maybe. I, I just remember them singing. Yeah. And Yeah, I, I, yeah. I felt it was so much more effective just saying right now. Do you remember that scene where uh, the frequencies go through the roof? And oh, te- yeah, yeah. Technically, they're all screaming inside. Basic 100. Yeah, and I've got a thousand time card of that. And oh, yeah. <laughs> all, it's just silent. It's brilliant. It's haunting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's horrible. The Ood are a great character. And at the beginning, you know, where they say, We must feed, we must feed, we yeah. must feed. And then the cut says, That's brilliant. You know, yeah. they, they shake the little ball. Yeah. But I think it's probably that they came back too soon. That it was a character that, or a monster rather, that went down really well. They're not monsters. So I thought, well, they're lovely. They are lovely. They are they're lovely. a slave they're race. Tense Zoidberg little slave race <laughs> thing. But yeah, I think they, they probably just came back too soon. Mm. So, you know, if they, maybe they came back now, they could, they could work. There's so many things in this episode. Uh, I think it's a great title, night, title name, The Impossible Planet, because so many things in it are impossible. Yeah. Um, Implausible. Implausible. The implausible planet. Rose, Rose was dumbfounded when she found out that the Ood were a slave race, but they loved it. They live off that shit. Yeah. They live off it. They love it. Like Can't get enough of it. And it, I was thinking, is that a sin? Kind of? They're holding well, slaves? this is the thing. I thought this whole thing was about, like, seven deadly sins, because they make a Ooh, thing of... Interesting. Is it, mis- is it Mr. Jefferson? Uh, thingy Webb. Oh, he's been in loads of stuff. Is it Daniel Webb? Danny Webb? The guy who dies in the air duct. Think so. Yeah. He's he's the beast says that uh, that his wife hasn't forgiven him. Yeah, I think it is him. I That's have, that. Yeah. That was the point where I thought perhaps the all these people are going to get picked off one by one because of a seven like the seven deadly sins. So his would have been lust if we're assuming yeah. that. You know, he's cheated on his wife or something. Well, he, the Beast does list them all, doesn't he? Uh, what, what? Yeah, but I don't think any of the others really fit into a sin. No, because he says he says to Toby, the virgin. Uh, okay, do you remember that? Whoa. Uh, yeah. It was, it was weird. I, I put subtitles I'd love, on. I'd love Gabriel Wolf to release a vo- like, um, like a, a ringtone of that. The virgin. <laughs> just have that. Just every time you have a text. I'm just looking for that guy's name. Was it, I'm sure it was Mr. Jefferson. Oh, maybe I don't have it. I, I've got his quote, though, that he did say. Oh, didn't uh, he do like a lie? He did some a profound poetic. He did. He absolutely did. Here it is. 
for how should I should how? <laughs> it sounds yeah. great. No, I'm just I'm just checking if his name is behind this or not. For how should man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his father and the temples of his gods? Ooh. That's I I tried looking that up and that's from this script. It's not from anything else. Um, it's not like a profound quote, but he's pretty much just saying what it is really that he's looking at. Yeah. Um. But I just feel like they really tried. They really tried in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. It's, um, yeah, you know, I thought it was, yeah. It was a good episode. I will say the end. Let's, should we move on to the ending? Oh, I just wanted to say one more thing about the story very quickly. Uh, I think yep. three or four, probably three people died who were never seen before, like being on the ship and never mentioned again. It's just people died. Uh-huh. Like a, a woman opens, tries to close over the door when the Ood are coming uh, to the control room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just gets zapped, and no one cares. Where does a body even go? No one says anything. No. So there are, like, some... I'd go as far to say lazy things. Like, we need to make these Ood scary somehow. Let's make them kill someone. Death. Well... Death is scary, isn't it? All our characters are written to the end. Let's shove someone else in. Yeah, it'd be fine. But that's... I'm only bringing that up just because it's one of the few things that I didn't like. Um, Yeah besides i think the end so with the ending so if you smash a vase you can sort anything out mm. right but the whole uh, i felt the same and i writ written it down you uh, writ it down i had wrote it down i wrote <laughs> <laughs> i had written it down <laughs> and i just thought by the end because i knew it was coming i've seen this like Bef- twice before at least yeah and I, I remember the vase smashes and that's how he like this great villain dies because a vase or vase smashes vase. how lame you is that you are what is it vase or vase is it the same as scone say... and scone Ugh. well it's a scone it is a scone i agree there and it's a castle not a castle who says castle grass what is it posh people oh we're going on like grass grass so what about yeah, ass? bath Pardon? Because you, no one says ass. It's arse. Well, yeah, because Americans say ass, don't they? Right, but that's okay then. Well, yeah, they're, they're... It's very confusing. It is, but we'll skip over that because you've poked holes in my logic, so we'll ignore that. So, um, uh, one thing as well. Hmm. You know Toby, Sharpie Tony? Uh, the one with the red eyes. Is the, Toby, the one who overacts. Double check this. Toby, yeah. <laughs> the actor that overacts with the Sharpie on his face. Right, yeah. Is that Toby? That is the character is Toby, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know when he goes outside? I Yeah, yeah. How... Uh, that bit doesn't make sense to me. Because he's not dead, is he? He's no. just... The beast has inhabited him. But he goes outside, yeah. survives, comes back in, and then the beast sort of disappears again. Well, there's a lot How... of mystery in this episode, and even the Doctor admits he doesn't know everything, so I'd leave that one there. Because don't forget, Should Toby just leave does that? have like a fire burp in the spaceship going back. Oh yeah, he does. He does do that. I'm sure it, it's such an awkward shot. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Like someone just had Should we just leave a like, dot, dot, dot by that? A dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. By what? Just about the whole Toby outside plot hole. It's not a plot hole. Well, it just doesn't make sense. It makes perfect uh, uh, sense because you can't comprehend the beast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. I'm just dumbstruck that 
this <laughs> I what's wrong with Toby being outside? There's nothing wrong with him being outside. If he wants I just some don't air, understand. He can grab some air. Yeah, but he was outside for a while. So are we to assume that when the beast inhabits him, he's dead or in some sort of a taken over state that means he doesn't have to breathe? Yes. To the second one. Okay. That's fine then. The I don't one. know. I'm just trying to support this episode. Not not like uh, like I said before, there's not much science in this at all. It doesn't really make much sense. Uh, okay. Um yeah. It's very whimsical these tenant episodes. Uh, I don't think this one's any exception. Uh I mm. like to support the end. I'd like to think that the Vase didn't represent. You said, "Are you really going to say vase?" Well, I I thought you had a problem with me saying vase. I don't have a problem with saying vase because it's a vase. Right, so it's the it's vase you don't like. It's, it's yeah. Because I I was in on the assumption it was right when your man buys I, flowers. I'm not to say scone. I'm to say scone, but I'm not to say vase. No, I'm not to say you vase. Also I'm say, supposed to say vase. You we're having a domestic on the podcast, and I like this. You. <laughs> I'm glad someone does. Let's just put this bit in brackets, okay? So, you've just bought a microphone. Yeah. And you tried to record on your iPad. And what program did you use to try and record on your iPad? Uh, Garage Band. You little shit. <laughs> you didn't say that originally. What did you no, say? I always say Garage Band. Garage Band. So, when you go and put petrol in your car, what do you go? Where do you go? I go to the gas station to fill up on some hot you rod gas. You little shit. You little shit. You know what you're doing. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, but I know I'm what to you're say, doing. I'm Do you want me to start pretending there's a lag on the mics as well? Just please to sort of... don't, please don't, because I'm going to clip the microphone when I scream. So it's vase. All right, I won't. Oh! <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I'd say vase. It's vase. That could be. Yeah. So <laughs> to get to go outside these brackets now. Yeah, close brackets. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> The vase, okay? What's more than one vase, though? Because there's two of them, isn't there? <sighs> I'm going to have to go with vases. Vases? I don't know. Perhaps somebody could write in. If you know what the plural of vase is, please write in. You can send us your feedback at... Can I explain what I think at the end now? Sorry. Do go on. Thank you. So with the vase... Um... Oh, for God's sake! You little shit! I feel like... And the beast says it himself... It's an idea. He's an idea. He's more powerful as an idea. He can he can go anywhere. He's hard to like destroy. And I like to think it was a, the the vase is more of a metaphor. Mm. And that's I think love conquered all at the end. And I thought, oh, yes, oh, bless. It's horrible. I want everyone to die, but it's kind of sweet at the same time. And everyone lived happy ever after. Or did they? I like to think that you can't was, kill the beast. It was all a dream because. I don't think the Beast lied once in that episode, especially when he said, you can't kill me, or something along those lines. Well, there we go. But your take was just... Your take was just the vase was pushed over. Uh, not necessarily. I just thought it was a bit of a weak ending. Definitely. They ran out of time. They, didn't, it was, they had well, to they be out of that cave. Of they ne- <laughs> <laughs> David, how many takes have we done now? About 22. Well, we've got five minutes left. You've got one more go. I can do it, honestly, Russell. I can do it. Right, well, you get... Come on. One more go, David. Come on, try your best now. I promise I'll try my best. And then he just messed it up. 
We'll just have to use that take. No, we didn't. No, I'm joking. I but... like that, though. Oh, thanks. I do apologise to anybody who's Scottish listening. That was a terrible impression of David Tennant. No. Close my eyes, and it's like he's on the other end of the phone. It Was it? Yeah. On the other. Oh, nice. Brilliant. Yeah. So, have we got anything else to say? It was... No, only that the end was rushed. Um, yeah. But isn't Ooh, it... I've got in... a little fun fact for you. Oh, go for it. You know the door sounds? They're from the Doom soundtrack. No way. Yeah, the original and the second Doom game. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Wow. Thank you, Tardis Wiki. Honestly, that's made this episode go even higher on my list. That's great, have you, isn't it? An extra mark's been put on it now, is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, uh, One last thing before we move on. Go on. Isn't it interesting that escaping the situation was the worst thing they could have done? Ooh. It's just a fun episode, isn't it? It's a bit of fun. I think that's the best way to look at an episode like this. An episode that you... It, just, it hasn't got flaws to it, has it, as much as it's... It's I, just got some holes. Yeah, but I think But it's if made... you just watch it as a bit of fun, it's yeah. brilliant. I enjoyed the episode. The first time I watched it, I watched it straight through as just an episode of Doctor Who to watch. Mm. So I'm trying to switch off anything critical and just try and enjoy the story. Obviously... The Rose and Doctor relationship jumped yeah. out at me straight away because I couldn't stand it. But the story is brilliant. Yeah. And when that TARDIS goes... Do you remember that? When the TARDIS... Um, when they try and race back to the TARDIS uh, when it's locked oh, in yeah. to the thing. I that... did like that opening shot as well. You know, with the TARDIS in the cupboard. Because it gives that sort of pinned-in feel to the yeah. story. Like they're in a base and they can't get out. Oh, that's, that's all yeah. nice. Oh, there's the Very shots. Nice. I don't want to go on about the shots, but so many crane shots where, like, the Doctor's just on his own, or when Rose, um, like, the Doctor's trying to comfort her because she knows she's stranded, and then the there's, like, a crane shot above them, the Doctor's looking up. Like, they're so vulnerable. And I think that's, it's, that's where the silliness of this episode is forgivable, almost believable, because everything mm. else is so well-crafted. Yeah. And it, they had absolute intent to make this a good episode. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't think they went into it thinking, right, let's make this shit. No, but you and know then... what I mean. I mean, they didn't try that hard to absorb <laughs> off one, although I'd argue I quite like it, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but you <sighs> know, the, it's definitely not a filler episode, is it? It's n- No, it's not a bad episode. I'll, I will say that I enjoyed you that. You said it was, it's in your top ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what. Yeah, if it was, if it had a different cast, a different story, a different composer, a different set, a different premise, a different. No, I'm being, I'm being stupid now, aren't I? You're being, being a stupid. bit pathetic now, aren't you? Pathetic. You just want to talk about your episode story thing, don't you? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't. Th- I think we've uh, we've done well. I think. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I tell you what, let's wrap this one up. Are we doing ratings, are we? Yeah, let's do, let's give some ratings. Okay. So are we going to rate this as one story? Yeah, always one story from now on. I yeah. need to stop calling so, them episodes. Yeah, so it's a story, isn't it? It's two yeah. episodes, two parts, yeah. one story. Yeah. What are you going to give it, boy? <sighs> and I'll say this every time until I've seen them all. As of what I've watched right now of Doctor Who, yes, I would give it a 9 out of 10. That's very good. Congratulations. What would you rate it? 
I would give this story, currently, with my current feelings, the first time I watched it, I would probably have said eight. Okay. But after watching it again, so I really, I should go with eight, but I'm going to give it a seven, okay. which I don't think is a bad score, because five is average. We're going five out of ten. Is average. So it's, it's not, not better than average, which is six. Seven is like, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a food hygiene rating, isn't it? Yeah. You know, could do better. Could do better, although but that's no, out yeah. of five. That is out of five, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Can I do that? Is that all right with you, with your well, new microphone? Looking my, at me. <laughs> my only issue with that is, you said it was in your top ten, but only ranks a seven. I didn't say it was... I uh, know. I think if you'll rewind and listen, yeah. I said, if the niggles were ironed out, it would be in my top ten. Oh, I didn't hear that bit. Oh, sorry. Perhaps I didn't say it. Perhaps I said it in my head, but it didn't yeah. come out. No, I, I don't know. We'll have to. Maybe I did. Oh, well. But now I know, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's why I chose it. I did enjoy it. I, let, let that be clear. I enjoyed this. Brilliant. After last week's I'm... episode, I wanted this one to be different. Oh, Christ. I yeah. feel like we should have started with this one, but oh, well. Who knew? Who knew? No, you so... were... Okay. You're supposed oh, to can I go? Who, who, oh right! You, oh, and then you go, yeah, can, yeah. It's done now. So let's it's move done on. Then. Let's move on. So we are moving to the first episode or the first story of season seven. It is the Spearhead from Space. I'm pretty sure the production code is AAA. Um. Oh yeah. Did I not say AAA? No, I thought you said AAA to Impossible Planet, and then you're just using AAA say tri- for everything now. Everything. This one's AAA. I'm going to say AAA now because it's annoying that I'm going mm. A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A. Uh, so this is a John Pertwee so- story. It is his first story, as you oh, might wow. be fully aware. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Doctor. No idea. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, I thought you meant it the writer. His first story. No, don't no. yell at me because I'm not familiar with the names. I'm not yelling at you. Did I raise my voice at I all? I can then? hear everyone else yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Fandom just tearing you a new asshole. Uh, so yeah, would you like a brief synopsis? I say brief, it's three paragraphs. If I say no... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure, I want to hear this, yeah. Okay, here we go. Do you know what, one thing I have noticed is that the more I read, I realise I'm rubbish at reading. I get really nervous having to read things out. I think it stems from uh, school, for the whole class. Maybe. Because if you recall properly, when I read... My synopsis, I butchered it. <laughs> so, well, you can't be any worse. Is it almost as if viewers, uh, not viewers, listeners will be aware at the end of this podcast is the section where you can send your feedback about mm. all our links to everything. How many times did it take me to record that voiceover? It was definitely more than five. That's Way sure. more than five. Yeah. It was torture. See, I feel like you're stalling. Because you don't want to read it. Because I'm, I am nervous to read this. Go so, for it. Let's go for this. I'm gonna have a quick sip of my my energy juice. Here we go. Spearhead from space. Synopsis. Forbidden to continue traveling the universe by his own people, the Time Lords, and exiled to Earth in the late twentieth century, the newly regenerated Doctor arrives in Oxley Woods, accompanied by a shower of mysterious meteorites. Investigating the occurrence is the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. 
God's sake. It's all right. Tax force, I'll move on, <laughs> unit for short, an organisation which had previously been associated with the Doctor during the Cyberman's invasion. Or Cybermen's invasion. See, there's my second mistake. Led by... <laughs> Led, as before, by Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, Unit is soon into action when people and meteorites start going missing. Most puzzling is the attempted kidnapping of a strange hospital patient, a man with two hearts, who insists that he knows the Brigadier. The new Doctor soon joins forces with his old friend, with Unit, and with the recently recruited Dr Elizabeth Shaw, but time is running out. Irregular things are happening at a nearby plastics factory, whilst faceless creatures lurk in the woods. The Nestines have landed a spearhead force and plan to conquer the country by substituting plastic auton replicas for men and women in key government military posts. (laughs) I feel like nothing really has to be said now. No. I I felt I did quite well. No, you did great. Thank you. Let's get your first impressions. It looks to be in HD on BritBox. Yeah, we should mention you watched it on BritBox. Yeah, you watched, I watched it, on it on DVD. Oh, I watched it on DVD. I did. I have got it. I've got two copies on VHS and one copy on DVD. Okay. Uh, and I watched the DVD because I couldn't be bothered to get the video out. Why didn't you just watch it on BritBox? Because I'm a true fan, Luke, and I buy to support the arts. That is why. Well, isn't. <laughs> Okay, that honestly, that's a subject for another time because it I, is a subject for another time. But uh, no, I someone uh, like only me because would have never you, seen these episodes if it weren't for the streaming service. So is money more important or more fans? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Carry on though. Um, so go on. What do you reckon? Um, so it's the it's the it's not only the first time we see this Doctor in an episode. It's the first time I've seen an episode of Old Who that's set on Earth. Isn't that strange? What did we do last yeah. time? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah it do is. apologize. That's yeah, fine. It is an episode. Yeah. Um, what can I say about it? I enjoyed it. I did. Yes. It, I, I, straight off the bat, it's not as good as the Brain, brain of Morbius. Wow. Okay. I felt the Brain of Morbius was a lot more concise, uh, a lot more fluid. Okay. Um, and I, I, I'm guessing you can see what I'm driving at here. It's, it was just a bit slow. With And I don't mean slow as in... There wasn't much action or anything like that. I mean, the pace of the way the characters were introduced, the pace in which the Autons were introduced, Uh I felt it didn't need that much time, a four-parter. I know these stories from Old Who are four parts. They're Um, not always four parts, but for the most part... Yeah. Yeah, you know, four parts is probably like the average... Ish. See, I didn't know that. See, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm treading on eggshells constantly when I talk about old who. But this is why I'm here. This is exactly why to I'm To learn. Here. You're here to learn. You're amongst well, friends. Here to not only to learn, but In, debate. Uh, yeah, and enjoy. And fresh young eyes from the year 2021. That's the year. Correct. <laughs> it is the year, yeah. And I honestly think that just not only was the episode we watched, um, Impossible Planet, was far better. Well, you're wrong there, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, which is I'm excited for this because I want to debate. Okay. It's Brain of Morbius was so much more enjoyable to me. And okay. I th- and I'm not saying this episode was bad because it it wasn't. 
I it, it just could have done with less. It's it's like they use too much glue. That makes no. I'm trying to re- reflect it back to the autons, and I was saying glue, and I want to say like melted plastic or something. By the way, yeah. the, the autons look great. They're great. They do look great. They do look great. Um, do you prefer the autons in this as opposed to Rose? What do you mean? As or a do character, you prefer the look of them. Well, not as yeah, I suppose. Do I prefer the look of an Auton compared to Billy Piper's looks as No, the episode Rose. No. The, the episode Rose. The first episode oh. where the Autons come back. Oh, I'm sorry. That's um, all right. Just no, listen. I, I was genuinely confused then. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think I do, yeah. It has... You prefer this? You uh, prefer these Autons, I should say. Yeah, the from Spearhead from Space. Yep. It has an unkept, nasty, 3D-printed style to it, and it's unsettling, and it's exactly what an Auton should be. I think it's great. Yep. Can I just say the Doctor's got a tattoo? <laughs> he has got a tattoo, and this is always a big a thing that comes up with this scene. Uh, on a side note, you know that scene where he's in the shower? Yeah. Where you see his tattoo, obviously. That scene was only put in... Because this is all shot on film and on all on location, there's no studio sets. Yeah. It's all on location. When they were scouting for the locations, the shower looked so good that they said, we've, just got, we've got a film in here because it looks so great. That scene is only in there because they like to look at the room. Wow. And back to the tattoo. So yeah. I don't want to give too much away. Well, I'm not giving too much away. At the start of the... Well, we know that the Doctor has been exiled to Earth, as from Mm. the synopsis that have been said. So he's been exiled to Earth from the Time Lords because of the previous story and what's happened before that. People, I've seen this sort of fan fact sort of thing, not fan fact, what's the, a fan explanation online. The tattoo, a theory, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. I've seen this theory that um, pops up. That is that the tattoo is like a stamp from the Time Lords of sort of your exiled. Okay. Or just maybe a, the, the a, a get out that way. Tattoo. John Pertwee did have a sailor tattoo, correct? Right, so that's it then. I don't understand. What the... It's fun to speculate. Yeah. I get that, but don't be ridiculous. Yeah. He says he just <laughs> talked about um, the beast and how he can de- how in some way he can be defeated with a face <laughs> or a vase. Um. I thought it was it was quite funny though. I was quite surprised how, uh, how it was comedic. Not that well, the old John ones were comedic. I was just quite struck. Like it was, it had vibes of Carry On. John Pert. Well, John Pert has been in Carry On films. Oh, okay. He is in a he's in a couple of he's in Carry On Screaming, I think, isn't he? As the lab uh, scientisty bloke, mm. he's in a couple of them. Uh, but John Pertwee was a ca- uh, comedy actor. Mm. So I think this is one of his first serious roles. But I will say, after this first series, he does turn into a bit of a dick with everybody. Oh. Uh, I thought humors. he was to everyone who wasn't a woman in this episode. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, well, that changes as well. He sort of it's does turn. It was the 70s, isn't it? Is <laughs> yeah. what it is. Um, it's fine. Um, well,. Just carry on. It's just the nature of media back then, British. Gosh, it definitely had yeah, those vibes. He d- yeah, he d- I think all of his funny scenes are really great as well. All the yeah. comedy that oh, he brings, absolutely, yeah, is brilliant. It did it's make not, me laugh. It doesn't. It doesn't seem forced. No, 
which is really nice. So it works better that way. Yeah, I, he just steals the show. Like he's he dominates the the shot, the the screen every time he's on. Yeah, at he's least got in this so, episode, he's got that, like a presence. Yeah, he's got a face as well. That yeah, just there's something about him that he just gives off this sort of he's in control no matter what's mm. happening. As soon as you see his face, he just gives off this. Well, he's great. Put it this way, uh, from just seeing this one episode, he's among uh, my favourite Doctors. Really? Yeah, so he's in the top I, three. I put Pertwee up there as well. But I'd say Pertwee comes, doesn't come high in the polls hmm. because of how he is later on in his run. Okay. But I do have a soft spot for... When he just becomes a dick? Yes. Okay. But I, I, I have a soft spot for Pertwee. He's up there for me. <laughs> Yeah, the comedic moments. When I said the the doctor's only shower, mm. like the I I don't know if the, it was intentional, but the it was almost like a gag where uh, like doctors only sign outside the showers, and obviously he's the doctor, and then yeah. doctors parking only outside when he's in his car. I just I just liked it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite. I've got two favorite funny bits. Mm. The bit where he says they uh, communicate with their eyebrows. And he looks straight at the camera yeah. and does like the Cadbury's advert thing. How That's do I remember brilliant. That? Yeah. And the bit at the end, you know, the very last scene where he's saying about these clothes aren't even mine. I've got to take them back. And then he says, and that car, I really like the car. And the brigadier says, well, we can get your car. And he says, great. When can we go and look for it? And he's so excited about yeah. it. And it's, it's funny, but it's lovely. It's played yeah. so well. Like it could that could have been a disaster of a scene that they could have just. I do think that's why it felt so not dragged out. It just felt a little bit slow because I was so not the first episode granted because there's nothing they could have done with that. Um, but I know see what I mean by that now. Like I just wish there was more of that Doctor in the episode. Yeah, I, I didn't need much of the dialogue from like the sergeants. And the autons and things—they didn't—they didn't add anything yeah. to the story. I don't feel. I'd say that's that's something that a new Who fan says about the old series is it is very dialogue heavy. The dialogue really drives the story. Whereas, no, I, like I I'd say, like the new that. series. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's not a bad thing. I just wish it was more. But of I think the, the new series. Yeah, yeah, but and the, then again, that is a thing that comes with the regeneration stories. You look at the um, is it the Christmas invasion with the thing in the sky you looked at your hand David then, didn't you? you're twiddling episode. your hand i did look at my hand because his look hand gets chopped off um yeah see that you look at that the first half of the story he's in bed yeah it's the same thing mm. and it's but this this is one of the best examples of a regeneration story mm. where yeah it's the first episode he's in bed but after that he's straight into it with tenant though in that episode we've been with those characters with rose and jackie and mickey for a whole other season. We know those characters already. We're okay to be with them. Yeah, we do. I don't know. If, uh, mm. Do we know these characters before season seven? We know the Brigadier, vaguely. Oh, yeah, because he, he must have um, known a Doctor before then. So yeah, he, yeah he knew the Doctor yeah. before that. Which I, I like him, to be fair. Uh, we don't, yeah, yeah, the Brigadier's brilliant. Yeah. But we don't know Liz Shaw. She's a new companion. Again, I thought she was great. Can we just talk, can we, yeah, can we just talk about Liz Shaw? Yeah. Caroline John. I love Liz Shaw. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that. I love her. She's brilliant. I thought there'd be a lot of debate in this, but... Oh, oh, Caroline John. She's brilliant. Mm. She's great. And it's a shame that she's only in the 
one series. I think she's only in series uh, season seven. Memories correct? Yeah, she is. Oh, really? Ambassador's there. Yeah, she's only in the first season. Okay. And then she leaves. But she gets a great run of stories. Mm, that's good. Her, this first season is brilliant. I don't know what it was, but her development from being um, like a scientist for a unit, um, and yeah. then going like by the end of the story, she's gonna go off with the doctor. It just felt very oh, natural yeah, she's to her. Yeah. She's not yet. What do you say again? Did Sorry, you say she's you not gonna go off with the doctor like after this. No, yeah, story. she yeah oh, she, she is she is the com- the the assistant hmm. or the companion. Um, like it just felt. I natural. will say that once once the doctor comes back, she is a bit underused. Like, she is just used as sort of, can you pass me this? Can you pass me that? Oh, what a shame. No, uh, in this story as well, I think. Like, she starts off being the scientist, but then as soon as the Doctor's back, she turns a bit sort of, I don't know. Yeah, the scene, I think, that reflects that most, like that change in character for her, was um, where she's trying to investigate the piece of meteorite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which isn't a meteorite. And the Doctor just comes in and says, oh, no, that's not a meteorite. It's a capsule. Uh, three thousand cubic uh, centimeters diameter. Di- um, and then she's completely removed as being a yeah, yeah. She's gone then. That's it. Yeah. She's just an assistant. She's too dumb. Yeah. No, this alien thing is way more smarter. So you just hand her things. Yeah. Hand him things now. Which I thought was a shame. It's yeah, but she's I would still. I'd like to see the more that that dynamic. She's still great, but I will say, Caroline John and John Pertwee, the Doctor and Liz, they've got a great rapport. They've got a great relationship. He really likes her. Yeah. You can tell that he really likes her. Yeah, you can But there's tell, no... It's not a romantic thing. There's none of that awkward... None of the stuff that makes me my skin crawl about you who... <laughs> you know, mm. it's... Yeah. I just can't imagine, like, in this story, if Pertwee and Caroline were like what Tennant and Piper are in that impossible planet. You know, where they're so... I know yeah. it's... It, you know, it's... It's the first story for them, and it's a clean slate. But I just can't imagine like that relationship. Yeah, it just it it'd be horrible, just how creepy it'd be. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I think Liz is just believable. Yeah, yeah, she's a great actress I, though as I, well. I, she plays it dead straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were quite a few. I want to touch on the cinematography, if I okay. may. You may. Uh, because it's the first time Doctor Who's been in colour, if I'm not mistaken. It's the first time it's been in colour. And I feel like at least, I think the first episode, um, they were a little bit experimental with the camera, which was nice to see. I don't, obviously I have no idea if this, like, pre, this style of movement predates this episode, but um, yeah, like when Unit is walking down the corridor... After they they get bombarded by the press and the oh first and the episode. cameras following them in front it's lovely isn't it yeah it's brilliant it's static for a second and then moves like no this is this is uh, does things like that like that happen in older episodes um not necessarily I think it's one of the things that comes with it being shot on film so the camera is handheld whereas in the studio the camera is sort of lo- not locked but you know it's massive so the purely that it's on it's handheld and you could maybe have it on a trolley or a do- you know a dolly yeah. to run around yeah it was absolutely handheld when the press oh, was yeah. bombarding them that well was you know lovely. when the press are all there and you can see the the mics the mics yeah. that are above are the mics that are recording them brilliant so, you know You'd it's like know. you don't have to no you wouldn't know it's brilliant yeah i, I really like that it's a shame they didn't 
experiment more in later episodes, I didn't feel. Like, it's nice, uh, but they just didn't push it. But it might have been because of, like, location, uh, time restraints, because it, it takes a lot of time and effort to get yeah, the shots. To be planning stuff like this out on a TV mm. budget as well, when you yeah. know you've got another six episodes to make or whatever's in the exactly, series. Yeah. Not that many, I don't think. But, you know, it's you've just got to get it done, I think, at this point. Hmm. It's, it's what... different now. You know, yeah, Doctor yeah. Who's budget is, is... It still hasn't got a great budget, but, you know, it's come on a long way visually, I think. Hmm. But still, this is still brilliant. If it's only going to be in this first episode, this, like, new camera movement, I'm glad they chose... Uh, just as the Doctor wakes up, like, as he wakes up, it's this new world. It's now in colour. Uh, the ca- It's now shot yeah. on film. The- yeah, it's all shot on film. All on film and all on location. I say, I say all shot on film and all set on location. There's one bit that, to be honest, is one of my only downfalls for this. You know the f- very first scene? Yeah. Where well, I say the very first scene. Where the Doctor falls out of the TARDIS. There's a little model shot that comes just before that. In this episode? In the first episode. Um... You know where the Doctor falls out of the TARDIS when you first see him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the model... When you see the TARDIS uh, materialise, yeah, yeah. it's a model. Yeah. Pointless. Absolutely pointless. Yeah, why was that there? It was a horrible introduction. No idea. I think maybe... I'm trying to think, because they obviously they, they film... They film the scene without the TARDIS there, then they film it with the TARDIS there and melt them into each other. Mix, I don't think I'm going to support my other argument where like it's this change it's like new colour and stuff I think they put that in because we don't see anything like that throughout the whole like rest of the story I think they put that at the very beginning of episode 1 to, to say like this is how it used to be the, the Doctor just fell out the TARDIS from the old way of making this show and now we're into the colour and this yeah, it could, yeah it could be you and know, if that is correct of... great what a brilliant way to do it yeah I'd like to think that because why well, else would they choose to have a model TARDIS in there? In this, in the Pertwee era, there's some odd decisions. You know what CSO is? I would have thought CSO. you're in the in the color separation overlay. No. if I'm not mistaken, it's like an early green screen, but it was blue. Oh yeah, yeah, which is actually and the fringing is awful. Uh, blue screen is oftentimes much better than green screen. Depend on the situation, well, stuff, but it's just obviously the technology. You're in for a treat with this era. <laughs> it, I think blue screens used more often. Well, lots of screens can be used. I think blue screen is used most nowadays. Um, but if you're using the green screen or blue screen back then, good luck. I'm guessing oh, yeah. it's the same. Well, you're in for a treat in the future. Yeah, yeah. I don't, there's none of it in this episode, but oh yeah. So go on. I, I want to hear more about what you think. Um, of the story in general. I mean, it's your episode, but I'll I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I'd I'd like to know what you think. I want to happen on something that you find egregious. So let's keep going. Okay. Um, oh, can I just say this? It's in my notes. Uh, do it at the end when we're all sipping on a cup of tea after it's all over. Yeah, fantastic. Just brilliant. Yeah, it's, lovely, yeah, it's a lovely scene. That, that end scene. It's one that of the best. End scene is played so yeah. well. By everybody, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know that is exactly how. If you want the the fine line between comedy and completely straight acting, mm. that is the scene to you know to go to because it's it's brilliant. It's just played so mm. well. Um, I thought the mystery of the Doctor is well introduced. Yeah, at this point, we don't really know a hell of a lot about 
his backstory. Mm. The episode that's come before, or the story that came before, Spearhead from Space, rather, does expand on the, the universe a bit more. Mm. Um, but it's not really until Tom Baker that we get any big jumps yeah. in Time Lord mythology or whatever. Um, but yeah, we get enough to keep us interested. You know, it makes you want to know more. They don't give too much away, so you're like sort of, all right. Hmm. You know. But it's enough. It's enough. So um, this is the first time we're really seeing the the Doctor like becoming this alien, where like he's got two hearts and he's got a different. Yeah, body, I mean, and he can regenerate. Well, he can regenerate before. But... Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is the first time. Obviously, this is his second regeneration, and it's the only one that we can really mm. watch. So Patrick Troughton is the second Doctor. His regeneration mm. story doesn't exist. Um, it's been animated now, The Power of the Daleks, and there's oh. little clips of his first scene that sort of exist, but it's very grainy and awful, so you can't really get any indication so of that. So his first episode, it, like, is gone? All of it. Not a single episode exists. Oh, wow. What um, a shame. Which is a real shame. But um, this, So this is the first one that now, it, you know, for us, anyway, because obviously we weren't born, this is our first regeneration story that we can watch as recorded, you know, not animated. Mm. Um, don't know what my point was. What was my point? Well, I was asking, is this the first time we see the character Doctor Koshua more like alien? And... So, yeah, yeah, Pertwee is the... This is the era where it becomes... He becomes more alien. You know, mm. it's set in stone that he is not from Earth. It, mm. It's done in the in the Troughton era as well, but this is where it's really pinned down. He is not from Earth. He is an alien. He is a Time Lord. He has two hearts. He has different blood. This is where the mythology starts to be built. The the mm. world building starts. Is he known as a Time Lord, or is that yeah? Not we know. We know. Yeah, we it? know he's a Time Lord. I don't okay. think at this point we knew he had two hearts until he says, obviously. Yeah. Um, we know that he's an alien. Mm. Yeah. So, but the okay. Pertwee era expands a little bit. We see Time Lords. Yeah. And you know, we we saw Time Lords in the War Games, but yeah, Pertwee era is where it's sort of cemented that he's an alien. I have had a gr- a grinding question. Do go and on. If you could just explain it very quickly. Go on. I'll do my best. So... Give another answer. <laughs> To the Time Lords, yep. how does it go from Time Lords being a common thing where, like, in the brain of Morbius, he was sent uh, to do, a, like, a, an errand for the Time Lords to the point where, uh, in, the new, in the new series, he's the last one? Like, uh, the, when does that happen? Is it just written in? Uh, because of the Time War. I'm not 100% on... on I just have to say, I'm not 100% on New Who... Doctor Who mythology. Hmm. So the Time War came in John Hurt's era as the Doctor were meant to, you know, so before Christopher Eccleston. Before Paul McGann, when the film came out, and when Christopher Eccleston came back, there's a Doctor that fits in there that we never knew anything about until the 50th anniversary. Oh, don't spoil. No, yeah. So, and that Doctor is the, the, the Time War. So the Daleks versus the uh, Time Lords... And they kill each other. So at that point, the right, Doctor right. is the last of the... <laughs> so he's watching now. Okay. So, so yeah, <laughs> that's basically, I think, what it is. I'm sure I'm missing... I'm obviously missing tons out, but... I was just... 
uh, wondering like just when that happens. But now it's cleared up now. I, I have watched the movie, by the way. It was a long time ago, though. It was, I think it was with my nan. Mm. I'm sure it was. I'm sure we'll get to that as well. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. Um, so I, I don't... Uh, with this episode... Uh, what do you think about the plot? Well, from what I've already said... I, oh, okay. I've only said like the pace and stuff, haven't I? Yeah, so like the actual storytelling of the uh, the plot. Yeah. So the Autons are there to take over the world. So they take... Why? It. See, see, this is a thing, right? So Channing who's the wide-eyed, slightly odd chap, is a high-intelligence Auton. Yeah. Yeah? That's what we get from the story. But mm-hmm. Channing hypnotises Mr. Hibbert, mm-hmm. who's like the bloke from the plastic. He's always holding his neck. I love that, though. That's a classic yeah. Who thing. If anybody's hypnotised, they touch the back of their neck. Oh, really? Oh, Why? yeah, it's all the time. I don't know what it... it I think it's like a 60s thing mm. of sort of sci-fi. If you're hypnotised... Uh, 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 touch the back of oh, neck. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's brilliant, though. It works really well. But, so Channing hypnotises Mr. Hibbert to, to help with the Auton development, sort of for the nesting mm-hmm. to grow. The nesting consciousness, sorry, rather. So, but... We're not aware who or where Channing came from. This is the only sort of the major hole with the story. I say major hole. It doesn't matter. It does matter, actually. We don't know where Channing came from. So Channing is an Auton, Hmm. but how did he get there? He wasn't created by Hibbert because Channing hypnotized Hibbert. Well, what was in the meteorite? So the meteorite is a ne- is the consciousness. So they link together as like a, a hive brain. Okay. And so Channing... Well, they did say meteorites fell earlier than the ones that fell. Yeah, so... Uh, like the most recent in that episode. So could have Channing... Could Channing have come in them? Or was that to say that the, the, the Autons came through them and that's when they set up all the factory, like six months ago, he, I think he said. Yeah, so um, I think the only explanation for it is that... Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. But I it, didn't really pick up on whatever the Autons were on about, though, to be honest. No, it's... Um, that's the, what I thought. It's it's a cool villain. I just thought it was a weak villain. Yeah. I think I think Channing is played really well, though. It's better than Rose, though. I'd rather Channing than a blob. Well, that's cha- for sure. The, so the, you know the thing in the tank, the tentacle thing that grabs the Doctor and he does a bit of good. I don't know what that is. So that is the blob in the new one. Oh, okay. But it, it does say in the story that they have no physical form, like they they have no definite physical form. They just take on mm. a form. So that sort of excuses the Rose episode, it not being a tentacly thing in a tank. Yeah. But I think it works well as a tentacle thing. And I think I, a lot of people diss the... Diss? I've never said that in my life. A lot of people... A lot of people diss. A lot of people diss the bit with John Pertwee when he gets gurned and gets grabbed by the tentacles. You know what I'm saying? But I think it, I think that's great. I really like that bit. Oh, I, I, I feel the same as you. I yeah. it's quite cool. I mean, the rest... It's, it's not... It's Doctor Who. It wasn't... It was the whole episodes up to that point weren't set up. Like, of this new series, weren't set up to be, like, dead serious or anything like that. No. I thought it, it, it was fun, it was quite campy, yeah, but... Um, my only real issue with that, with that scene was that there was just no music. There was nothing there. It was really awkward. Yeah, that there's no... Yeah. But there isn't, like, other like, set pieces and, like... Yeah. You know, when the Auton first, like, tries to kill someone. 
yeah, but just yeah. in that ultimate like finale, there's no music. Mm. I just, it was really awkward for me. Why did you notice that? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, it is very sparse. The music in this is Dudley Simpson. Hmm. Um, I do like the music for this. I've got to be honest. And yeah, I do. Too. I think there's enough of it in there that it's not annoying, although there's not too much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's exactly how I would like the new series to go, but. I just thought it was just odd in that one scene that they just had no music. Why yeah, they could. Yeah, music there? they could have had something there. They could have at least, or even some sound design. So mm. the the sound of the Auton. <laughs> yeah, anything. You know, anything. All right, cut that bit out and just you can buy that as a ringtone if you go to www. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, it yeah. I know what you mean. Along with um, the Virgin, the Virgin. Yeah. Have to give uh, give uh, Mr. Wolf uh, an email. See if he'll do that for us. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so tar- speaking of sounds, though, I love how the TARDIS sounds. I think it should be the default sound of the TARDIS. It's amazing. It's the normal dematerialization sound, isn't it? It it's slightly different. It's like warping. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not. M- it's definitely it's different. It's not massively different, but it's different to what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So it's the sound supposedly that of the Time Lords controlling the TARDIS rather than the TARDIS Ooh. landing on its own accord, because he's been exiled in his TARDIS. Hmm. So they have put the TARDIS there. Okay. He's exiled to Earth because he spends so much time there that they say, "Well, I'll tell you what. Then sod you. You can go there." <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I, yeah. It was a it's a more warpy version of the hmm. dematerialization. Yeah. In, uh, fun fact, do you know what it is? You know the sound of the the dematerialization? The <laughs> noise? I'm sure you must have told me once, but I've forgotten. So it's, uh, it's a house door key on a piano string. Just yeah, scraped. you never told me that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's this key scraped along the string. Obviously slowed down and pitched. But yeah, that is what it is. I find the whole series, like especially well, mostly the old ones, it's so resourceful. It is. It's it's creative, isn't it? I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it, and we it's, saw another Brain of Morbius esque um, villain at the end, but I don't know what it was. The 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 like clear box with um, I don't know what was inside, but it's going. Thump! Oh, the art. It's, yeah, that's the nesting consciousness. Oh, so that's like the visual representation of the consciousness, then. Yeah, it's like that's the nesting in and out boss thing. The eye that's sort of okay. sucking against the glass. Oh, is that what it is? An eye? Well, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It looked cool though. It looked great. You know, considering it's exactly it's just what like an alien should be. I don't know what that is. Some cling film and some green gunge and somebody pushing it against the glass and pulling it back. Well, I pref- I I thought of it more like a, a beating heart. Could be. That I can't explain. Yeah. I think I was just a bit sucked into it at that point. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> but what do you think of this story? Because you were quite shocked when I... I felt like you were quite shocked when I said it It, it could have done with... Uh, it, it just it felt like it was dragging its feet in like three episodes. In th- all of the episodes. Not all the time, but certainly some scenes did not need to be in there. I think this is pretty much perfect. Oh, Okay. And I have basically nothing bad to say. Even Sam Seeley's accent. The poacher. Yeah. 
I think he's great. I can't understand what the hell he's saying. Let's put subtitles Get in on. the housewoman. It, it didn't sound that clear. Well, Try again. Uh, yeah, I have... <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, uh, I have nothing really bad to say about this. I think this is a great, great Doctor Who story. And you'd put it above Brain of Morbius? Yeah. Okay. What yeah, was... was so great about it that we haven't already discussed? It's... Right, this is the bit that I struggle, and I think we... We've discussed this off air, haven't we, of how it is hard to find things to say. Um, You know, when you like something, it's hard to sort of say why. It's hard to find your reasoning for it. I think it's just that it's got got a magic. And I know that is a very cliche thing to say, of it's it's just got an atmosphere. Mm. But there's just something about it. And I think that it's such a clean slate. There's no companions left over from the last story. It's in colour. Not that I, you know, but it's such a jump. Of sort of like this yeah. is what Doctor Who is now. I think the story is great. I think it's paced really well. I think all of the guest cast are played r- so well. Yeah, it looks did. great. The fact that it's on film as well makes it look great. I just don't. I don't think there's anything that bad to say about it. No, I wouldn't say no like that bad. But certainly, this things hurt it. I thought it was a yeah. shame. It's but yeah, I have I have nothing bad to say about it. How yeah. weird. So it has to be a ten out of ten then. For yeah, me. it is ten out of ten. Are we going for scores now then? Uh, I, only because I've, I've I'm at the yeah. end of my notes. I've written a lot more for my episode. Yeah. Well, what have you written? Um, just the main points that I like really. You said you wrote like three pages. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but we've covered everything that I have to say really. And so let's do scores. Okay. You're obviously going to give it a ten out of ten. Hundred percent. Ten out of ten for me. Hundred percent. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. I have to give it. Mm, probably six. I can't do decimals, can I? No, no decimal points. We're doing it out of ten, not twenty. No, a seven. Yeah, you're gonna seven. go with seven. Yeah, I'd say that's still a good, good score. Still a good score. Yeah, but yeah, definitely ten out of ten for me. It's as near to perfect as Doctor Who gets. Oh, how lovely! So this has to be the best episode of all time, then? Surely. No, 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 no. But you just said it's as near to perfect as it can be. <sighs> yeah, I suppose. It's yeah, it's definitely up there. There's a few. There's Talons of Wang, Chiang, and a couple of other bits. But I've got a personal favourite. One of my favourite stories isn't very highly rated. Okay, but I think I'm in the same boat there. Yeah, it's uh, but it's all where you sort of what your starting off point was for the stories, isn't it? You know. So, but yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give it ten out of ten just because I think for the casual viewer. And the long-time viewer, it does everything that you want a Doctor Who story to do. And more. And more. I, I felt I was introduced well. Uh, I feel like if... I'm, I'm, I am, again, surprised that this wasn't the first choice. I think it's a great introduction to Old Who. Although, maybe not, though. Because it, it did feel like a sidestep um, to me from all the ones I've seen. And it's a good sidestep. It's different. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. It's it's different. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. So um, so there we go. So should we do some? That does wrap up our two stories for this time. Should we do some feedback before we reveal what we're going to do next time? Why don't we do some feedback? Feedback. So we've got um, we've got two bits of feedback this time. No way. We have two pieces of feedback. Isn't that exciting? Last time we had one. This time, we've got two. Next time we'll have, we'll have one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or nobody will write in. So who are uh, who who who's the feedback from? That's right, isn't it? We have 
Yeah, who is the feedback from? Yeah, that's the right way of saying it, isn't it? Our first piece of feedback is from our long-time listener, Keith Say. Hi, Keith. Who is 50DW50 on Twitter. So, Keith has this to say. Impossible Planet, a wonderfully creepy story with spooky ood and the voice of Sutek. I did, you know, mm-hmm. he said about David uh, David Wolf. You know what I mean? David Wallen. Oh, go away. Uh, Spearhead from Space, shameless Quatermass 2 ripoff, famous for that scene with the Autons gunning down pedestrians. What does that well, thank, What does that comment uh, mean? Have you ever seen Quatermass? No. I highly recommend you watch Quatermass. Quatermass in the Pit, Quatermass 2, you know, all of those. I think they're on Britbox. Oh, wait. I have heard of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you talked about them. They're brilliant. Uh, is it um, a TV show? Or is uh, it movies? Or is it a TV? A film and a series from... I, I, I can't remember. I've seen them. Is it of I the promise. same kin? I've seen them, honestly, sir. <laughs> is it of the same kin of, like, Blake 7 and things like that? Or is this um, completely... No, it's it's before Doctor Who, really. So it's it's just like 60s sci-fi, really. Okay. 50s, 60s sci-fi. Um, but yeah, so this story, The Spearhead from Space, is famous for that scene of the Autons, you know, the shop window dummies coming to life, breaking through the glass, hmm. and killing everybody on the street, which is a great scene. I do like that scene. It is great. Yeah, it's, it's a great shot scene. really well. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. And that woman's scream is horrible. Yeah, just... Instead of showing the people flop on the floor, like you usually see in... Well, I've usually seen in... I can't wait to stop saying that. When I've seen all doc, all the Doctor Whos, I can just say, all I've seen. Um, but what a great way of shooting it, though. Like, extreme close-ups, so we don't see people just flop on the floor. Yeah. yeah it makes it so much more impactful. But yeah, I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, I love the sound of the gun as well. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith, for your feedback there. Um, so our next one is from Leroy on Twitter. Hello, Leroy. And the question is, what story slash stories would you recommend to someone watching the programme for the first time to introduce them to the series, old and new? So an old one and a new one. Well, I'm going to put, I'm going to say probably these two. Uh, oh, my episode and your episode. Yeah, I reckon they're both a great way to start. If you've never seen Doctor Who before and you want a... a you know, a diving board for the old series and a diving board for the new. I wouldn't say Or mine, maybe though. Dalek. Yeah, Dalek. Maybe something like that. Only because this is more an expansion on the character more than an introduction. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'd go Dalek for the new series. Yeah. And probably Spearhead from Space for the old. Maybe if you just want sort of cheap thrills of a story. Um, Absorb a lot and oh god, maybe Revelation of the Daleks, but there's a bit of backstory. It doesn't. Uh, no, I get, yeah, Spearhead from Space mm. and Dalek. That's my two. I would tend to agree. Yeah, yeah, because everything after Dalek would probably be filler, because you don't want something that has a lot of like it's heavy on what do they call it the um. The law. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of um, canon to go with the stories, mm. isn't there? I think so. You've got a continuity, so you've got to be you've got to follow the story for it to make sense. Not necessarily all the way through, but there's there'll be little bits of the story where you just I don't know what's going on here. Yes, yeah. it's been mentioned four stories ago, but for the most part, Dalek doesn't have a lot of baggage with it. No, it I think everybody well everybody knows what a Dalek is, don't they? Yeah. Even if they don't watch Doctor Who, you know what it is. So it's a good thing of sort of, well, here's that monster, here's what they are. And they are probably, at 
are mostly their creepiest in that episode as well because they you know they're deadly yeah it they're all like so, i think they are the worst i've seen them yeah so yeah we'll go dalek and spearhead from space on that one all right i would absolutely agree so thanks for your feedback keith and leroy um so we'll move on and we'll say what our next two episodes for the discussion are. Oh, yeah. I'm just getting ahead of myself. <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself. Calm down. Uh, so should... Did you go first last week or...? I think I did go first. Why don't you go first this time and then we'll make a note of who it is. We'll do this properly. We've got a spreadsheet and everything now. We do, don't we? We do have a spreadsheet. And, it's glorious. Uh, it's, I think it's the shout out to the Gallifrey Most Wanted podcast who have received their copy um, on the day of that we're recording this, actually, because you rang me earlier on saying, somebody's trying to access the Google Drive. And, uh, and that's how I sound, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is how you sound, isn't it? Somebody's trying to access the Google Drive. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, what's your story? So my story takes place at the end of series three. Okay. And I said that so slowly because I'm not too sure how these seasons work because BBC iPlayer lists all of the current episodes just of Doctor Just bunches Who. them together. Yeah, so it's, yeah. And it's, so it's quite hard. However, it does say Series 3 right before the name of the episode. And I only just realised well, that. Oh, that's lucky then, isn't it? <laughs> so... Are you being thick? Are you thinking? You're tired now, aren't you? No. You're showing off. <laughs> Uh, so it's no, it's actually a three-parter, arguably two, okay. but I'd say three. It's so right. it's the end of Martha Jones as a companion, and it's series three, episode 11, 12, and 13. And the episodes are called? Uh, Utopia. Or is that 11? No, Utopia. <laughs> the Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords. Uh, nice. Should I do a little little description? Yeah, go on. Give us a little brief. Utopia. Captain Jack Harkness storms back into the Doctor's life. I'm out. Bye. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of drums. Harry Saxon becomes Prime Minister, but his dark ambitions reach beyond the stars. And last of the Time Lords. Earth has been conquered and the Master rules supreme. Can Martha Jones save the world? So, as I've read that, you don't actually need to watch 11 and 12, just 13. There you go. Everything's sorted. Um, but I do want to say, if you want to uh, watch along with us for next week's podcast, uh, these, I think the new ones can be found on iPlayer. Um, I think Jody's got yeah. like one month left on her. Poor Jody. Um, well, I think take... they are renewing it, aren't they? Oh, are they? I think so. I hope so. I, I know that... Uh... A couple of weeks ago, it was that uh, it was coming off there. Yeah. Um, but whether it's going to go on Netflix or something, I don't know. But I think it has been renewed, sort of. Oh, they've good. updated it. I think it's got ten months on it, maybe something like that. Well, the older who we've already said is on BritBox. It is on BritBox. So what? And speaking you, of, well, what is your story for next week? My story is a season three story. Hmm. It is Patrick Troughton's first series, the second Doctor's first series, okay. and it is episode six, The Moon Base. Ooh. You see that? I'm going to show him the cover. Oh, is that the Cyberman's first appearance? It is not their first appearance, <gasps> no. Okay. I got excited then. Okay, uh, do you want a brief synopsis of this? <laughs> yes, please. Okay. Yes, please. In 2070 Earth, 
Oh, sorry, sorry. In 2070, Earth's weather is controlled with ease from the moon. Brilliant. When the TARDIS arrives at the moon base, the Doctor, along with his friends Polly, Ben and Jamie, is accused of starting a plague that is killing off the base's crew. It's not long, however, before the time travellers discover the cause of the deaths, a powerful, unstoppable race the Doctor has met before, the Cybermen. Wow. That sounds like fun. So, this episode, I will say, has been animated in some parts. So, um, the last two episodes of the story, if I'm thinking, yeah, the last two episodes of the story are missing. Oh. So they have so they're animated, but I'm pretty sure the animated ones are on Britbox as well. I hope so. I hope so. If not, I'll send you the DVD. Okay. I've it's be yeah. the first time so, me watching an animation of Doctor Who as well. Yeah. Like for, uh, and it is in black and white as well. Good, good. Yeah. Oh, you can't wait. Um No, I I, I Patrick, feel like black and white does wonders for horror and sci fi. It does. Well, I totally agree with you there. Um yeah. Classic. The moon base, Patrick Troughton. Fantastic. So there we go. So just just a recap. Uh, so series three, tw- uh, 12, 13, no, 11, series three, episodes 11, 12, and 13, and yours is... The moon base, Patrick Troughton. Season two, episode four. Six. Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the moon base season, season three. Oh, see, you're making me look at it. I'm up sorry. Now. Just every week, I I, I right. always question: Is it this one? Yes, it is. Season three, episode six, the Moon Base. Right. Okay. So, if any of you listeners out there have got any feedback for those, if you wait till the end of the podcast, um, there's a little thing at the end over the end theme of how you can contact us and send us in your feedback. We would love to hear from you all. Um, thanks to everybody for sending in their feedback for today. Um, and I think. It might be that time. It can't be that time. It Not could again. be that. Mind you, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, I. I can't I, remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. Let's play the theme tune. Over to you. So, this is episode two of Battles in Time. Time, time, um, time, time, time. <laughs> and, as we know from last week, Nina fell honourably. I thought she put up a good fight, but she got scared, closed her eyes, and got whacked with a pan. Let's just say, yeah, the dinner lady just, yeah, conquered, <laughs> you know. She was obliterated. She didn't stand a chance. No, she didn't, bless her. So she's in the dead pile now. Nina is dead. We're going to 
do a big list that goes on for way too long at the end of the year oh, yeah. of all the fallen soldiers. <laughs> um, so we know that the dinner lady is victorious, and whoever wins this week, the dinner lady will go head to head against them to find who the winner is and see if the dinner lady can go for another episode. Can I'd you love just to make think so? Right. So. I'm just going to clear this up as if I'm the viewer. Okay. We're, we're going to play another game of Battles in Time, correct? Two yep. new cards. And two whoever wins cards. whoever wins out of those two new cards goes to battle the Dinner Lady. Absolutely. And then whoever wins out of the Dinner Lady and the winner from the new pile reigns supreme and moves on to the next episode. Absolutely. Okay. What happens to the Dinner Lady? If she get, Oh, she just goes in the dead pile. She goes in the dead pile, and her name will be on the Morium list at the end of the year. We could do it, yeah. <laughs> okay. In a big, long tweet. Nice. Um, so I'm shuffling the cards. I just grabbed a big handful from the fat crate. I, that's with the PH. Uh, thank you. And it's... Oh, goodness. Uh, There's the so many cards. Today. I thought, well, I thought it was going to break. I thought the cards were going to go everywhere, but no, no, we're safe. I, I will say, you're recording in the attic, aren't you? Um, yeah. How on earth did you get that massive crate in there? I get that question quite a lot. So, I'm shuffling Please. the cards. Well, hang on, you can't gloss over that. There's a 10 foot by 11 foot crate in your attic. And mm-hmm. the hatch to get in is what? Three and a half foot by three and a half foot? It's timey-wimey stuff. Is it? Yeah, I know you love that quote. What a shit. Let's um, move it's on. It's all... Yeah, yeah. Just shuffle the cards. Flat packing. That's all Is I'll it? say. Yeah. And oh, I, I, could, thought, I, talk... I thought the crate came with the cards. No, the crate... Um, Where did you find funny the Funny story. I'll tell you that story one day. That's a All right, it's... when you've thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the crate has been with my family for a long time. Has and... it? Yeah, and when I was a, a little boo-boo baba, I used to go to the shop and get a pack of Doctor Who cards, and every I, I'd, I'd only do it to bring up to the crate, and you know, I'd drop those nine cards in, and over time, it just accumulated, and I just left it here, and when I came back, I realised, oh, yeah, the crate. I like the way you forgot it, that it, it was there. When you... Yeah. It's massive. See, it's a weird thing. When you look at the crate, it's the only thing in existence that matters to you. But when you look away, it's like you would never, you've never seen it before in your life. It's forgotten Ooh, almost instantly. That sounds like a good storyline. I wish it was a story. The Curse of the Fatal so Crate. What, so what cards would you like this week? Shall I, I pick the middle well, one? Considering you're, what, 14 miles away? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, so my arms are going to be... Not 14 miles long, are they? No, but you do know how cameras work, right? Just reach. Oh, yes, because we've got one now. We've got through vision, haven't we, on these iPads? We do have through vision. God's sake. Right, okay. Show me the pack. Show me the pack. That's the pack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you just move it a little bit into the middle of the screen? Just because, you know, on the edge of the screen, you know, when you put your hand through, sometimes it it stings a little bit, yeah. Right, go on. Right. I'm going to take... Oh! Ow! That one. So, would you like to tell me what card you you have? <laughs> You've got? Yeah, let me just have a look at it. Um, I'm just holding the card up now. Oh! 
No fucking way. <laughs> God's sake. I have got Bridget St. Clair. Actually, I'll pass the card back to you because it's easier for you to... Thank you. Oh, ow! Oh, I hate got this. Me. <laughs> Bridget Sinclair. Um, the caption reads, Bridget was searching for her daughter when she joined Linda, but then became one of the Absorbaloff's victims. That's right. Of course she did. We talked about this episode. We actually talked about the uh, Dinner Lady episode, the Quillotane one, last mm. week as well. It's almost like it's an omen. It's like the box is listening. The crate is listening. Oh, oh Jesus, my God. Go on, here we go. It's... Oh, gosh. It's Yvonne Hartman. Do you know that name? Uh, can I see the card? The name oh. rings a bell slightly. Oh, yeah, so she's from the... Uh, the story where Rose leaves. She gets changed into a Cyberman, yes. doesn't she? Yeah. I did my duty for Queen and Country. I did my duty for Queen and Country. Yeah, that weird one. how she can beat... She, she can best the mind of a Cyberman. We'll gloss over that. I don't understand how that worked, but... um, Her caption reads, This tortured team leader paid the ultimate price for her loyalty when she was upgraded by the invading Cybermen. Wow. So your card is Bridget Sinclair and mine is Yvonne Hartman. Now I seem to remember she had a really annoying voice. I could be wrong. I'm, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, it, it was quite normal to be fair. I just seem to remember her having a really squeaky annoying voice. Or is that absolutely somebody not else? Her. That's oh, absolutely maybe that's someone me. else. Well, maybe that is somebody else. Or maybe um, she well, now has that voice. She might do a horrible accident with Peter Kay. Um, right, so let's think about this. She's got a daughter, yeah? Bridget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how far is she willing to go, Drain, to save that daughter? Um, well, I wouldn't say that far, because I barely... I watched this episode two weeks ago, and I didn't even know she had a daughter, so... She obviously doesn't care that much. You don't care, do you, Bridget? Oh, no, that's why she was there, to search for people, wasn't she? Or was it to search for the doctor? I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't think she'd fight that hard. Well, show me the picture again. Okay. Okay, so she's... Hmm. What do I think? What Has it got his stamina and strength levels on there? On the card? It does, actually. Do I, are we, we're going to say these now? Yeah, oh yeah. We're going in deep. Okay, well, I don't know what the green one means. I don't know what the red one means. Pretty much all her stats are 2,000, about 2,000. Okay. I don't know what that means. What about um, thingy with Jiggy? Yvonne? Yes. Uh, touching 5,000. Well, she's one then, isn't she? So well, let's no, think. come on. This isn't <laughs> how it works. This is so not how it works. Well, let's think about it. Let's think about this. So we need a scenario. What, do we... Yeah, we need a scenario. So Yvonne's just gone for a Costa. Oh, she loves her... She's definitely a skinny latte. Do you reckon? With goat's yeah. milk? No. no. No, she doesn't believe in goat's milk. Skinny latte's fine. It's not now. real. Uh, so, she, so she gets a small one. Yeah. Does uh, she have a cake? Good, it's a, um, she Raspberry has on the bake, I brownie because on some weeks she has um, a skinny latte small. No, a skinny latte large and no cake. This week's going for a skinny latte small... With a little brownie. Ah, right, okay. So I reckon she goes for the brownie on the days that she has a yakult, because she's trying to be healthy. She has a yakult in the morning, and whenever she has the cake, 
whenever she has the brownie with a yakult, she feels a bit icky all day. Yeah. She should have had a uh, a Barocca. You, but on a really good day. But instead she yeah. has a yakult, and it doesn't it doesn't agree well with that cake dessert, I reckon. So, so what day is she on? Is she on a day where she's a bit feisty because she's had her yakult? Or is it a normal run-of-the-mill day? She's had a yakult. She's feeling good. She feels that she's excited because this episode takes place when the ghosts are on the earth. Oh, right, okay. she's in charge of, like, the ghost time when they... Ghost time. Like, appear. I don't know what it's called. Of course she is. I'm sure it's called ghost time or something like that. Yeah, something like that, So, she's had a good day yesterday. Ghost times were all on time. She was fantastic. She said, tomorrow I'm going to have a yakult. And she went to Costa and she had a yakult in the morning. And now she feels a bit grim. All right, so I'm going to interject here. What's my mm-hmm. character called again? Bridget. Bridget Sinclair. So, right, Bridget Sinclair has come into Costa because she's dying for the toilet. Her daughter is dying for the toilet. Doesn't right? she look like someone who'd go into Costa because she's dying for the toilet? Right. Oh, I'll only be a moment. I won't be a moment. Can I please just push through the queue, please? My daughter's absolutely <sighs> bursting. I reckon she's pushed to the front of the queue and the barista, Maestro, has said, sorry, I'm really sorry, madam. The toilets are only available if you purchase a drink or mm. food, as the no. code for the toilets is on the receipt. Yvonne says that because she's there every day. She oh, knows yeah. this. Ah, that's even better. So Yvonne turns around and says, listen, sorry, you've got to get in the queue. You can't jump the queue. If you need the toilet, just buy a bottle of water or something, and then they'll give you the code on the receipt. Mm. Well, my daughter's bursting. Well, yeah, that's not the point, sorry, but if you just get in the queue, there's literally, there's like one person behind me. I'll give you my receipt, but you've got to, you know, you've got to play by the game. You can't just push in and think. Mm. But my daughter is bursting. Yeah, but that's, that's not the point. You need to buy something to be allowed to use the toilet. Now, Yvonne is quite orderly in her duties every day. She's and a calm... at this point, she's, yeah. she's calm and calculated until something pushes her. And I think Costa is Pushes the only anybody. glimpse of like relief and happiness she gets in a busy, busy work schedule. I will say, there's a Costa drive through that's by us. Staff yeah. are so rude. Okay. Just thought I'd point that in. Maybe they'll send me a <laughs> gift card. I'm not going to say where it is, because we might get stalked. But, um, yeah, there is a drive through And, uh, yeah, they're Would they, quite... Yeah, but Yvonne wouldn't go to one of those. She's not like that. She she likes to walk in. She likes to feel like she's part of this crew, part of the team. Bit yeah, of banter with the cost with the baristas, the family, the Costa family. Part of the family. She's there During, every, twice a day. You know when you go into Costa and they ask if you want to try their new blend. Yeah. Jurek and Yvonne take some up on the offer. I reckon Yvonne recommends it to other customers. Do you reckon? Yeah. She seems oh, like the type of she's... roast. It's absolutely divine. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. I think you should try it yourself. You'll be absolutely made up with it. <laughs> what? But she doesn't say this to Bridget today, does she? She does Bridget not. Bridget has just interjected in her daily routine and is yeah. quite rude about it, to be honest. Yeah, I'd so say so. Her daughter's bursting. Can we just. So she's got her daughter back now. Okay. So are we going to assume now that the toilet fiasco is over? But Bridget is still stood, like sort of behind where that the bit where they keep the coffee and the little urn yeah, of water is. is. So the daughter's come back, and yeah. Bridget says, "Do you want to go and wait in the car, love?" No, actually, let's change your voice. 
Do you want to go wait? No. What? What could she be? Do you want to go wait in the car? Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Take take my car keys, darling, and go wait in the car. So, so Bridget Bridget Junior yeah. runs away and gets in the what do you reckon? What do you reckon she drives? Honda Jazz. Um, yeah. Blue Honda Jazz. Yeah. yeah. Honda Jazz. It's got a bump on the rear uh, rear driver's side. Where mm. she's reversed into a post, but it wasn't her fault. It was somebody right. else's fault. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. She's gone to the car now. Well, I don't know why I'm saying it like that. So the daughter's gone to the car. She's in the car. And she, gra- uh, she grabs some marshmallows on her way out. Wow, what a little bitch. Yeah. She's not, just well, puts she her hand in the jar. Well, she got lost for a reason. Like, she didn't just. She wandered off somewhere. She got lost. Yeah. Where? It, 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 she did. Well, I'm, I'm, well, is this pre losing a daughter, or is this this is how she lost her daughter? Whoa, well, hang on. What we do, what we doing here? I thought this was a fight. The daughter's gone it to is the a, car. No, it, it is a fight, but like, because Bridget Sinclair is in that club where like the absorb off is because she's trying to find a daughter, right? Right. Understood. This is and post. This, right. This is this pre losing the daughter. Yeah. This is the right. prelude. The overture, um, if you will. <laughs> so she's in the car she's eating a marshmallow stuffing her face playing yeah, chubby, chubby bunny, bunny in the mirror <laughs> yeah we've also <laughs> we won't talk about the chubby bunny thing we won't talk about the chubby 129. bunny thing 129 <laughs> <laughs> if we get if we get the if if we get the responses for it and the, like people are dying to know what the chubby bunny thing is yeah we'll we complain. may reveal um so Yvonne is... Well, why is Bridget not going back to the car with her daughter? Because I think she just senses something with Yvonne. Because Yvonne's been staring her out, I reckon. But in yeah. a sort of... Not a sort of angry way. Just like, I know what you've done. Bridget will confront Yvonne. Yeah, because she's that kind of person. Sure. You made my daughter feel awful. Yeah, so Bridget has That's said... That's not her voice. So Bridget comes back. Well, the daughter has gone to the car. Bridget looks at Yvonne in the eye. She's not a cyclops. Bridget looks at Yvonne in the eyes. <laughs> not a glass eye just in both of her, her eyes yeah um what uh, what could she say to really push well, Yvonne Yvonne's would buttons? say something first like yes like oh that's short isn't it let's go with it that it is yeah let's go with that yes. so Yvonne says yes no not yes that's that was yes hmm what do you mean hmm <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. You're wasting my time now. You've jumped the queue. Let me stop you there. Right. Now what happens? Now right, what Yvonne, happens? Yvonne says, I beg your pardon. Yvonne doesn't have time for this. She's got to go back to the ghost thing. So she just barges past uh, Bridget. And, yeah, oh, yeah. Unknowingly, so though, this happened about Christmas time. So um, her, the gingerbread shortbread was on top. It dropped off, landed inside. Oh, on top of the Bridget's cup. Br- yeah, and landed inside Bridget's brazier. Oh Christ! This is taking a turn. I'm not sure this is a road I want to go down. But now, hear me out. Okay, I'm hearing you. Bridget gets out the gingerbread, and Yvonne expects it back. Christ! Bridget eats it. Oh, how the balls on Bridget! Yvonne goes ham. 
She put a scalding hot coffee all over Bridget's face. Whack. She screams. Bridget's screaming. Um, now, I've got to defend my card here, Yvonne. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, you need to defend your card, Bridget. Uh, yeah, I need to defend my card, Bridget. So, Bridget has got a face full of scalding hot skinny latte. Skinny latte. It's quite with, hot skinny latte as well. With blue milk, green top, red top. No, red top. Red top. Full fat. No. Like, it's where they get rid of all the fat but replace it with sugar. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So she's in agony, my, she's, my card. Yeah, she's, not, she's not in a great position. She's not in a great position. So I reckon the she's blinded slightly by the, by the heat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And I reckon she just lunges. She just lunges. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't think. At Yvonne? She just, yeah, she dives. Proper rugby okay. tackle. So Yvonne um, is tackled. She goes to the floor hard. It's quite hard. It's always um, hard enough that she's Costa as well, isn't it? Yeah. So it's hard enough where she's question like in that moment she's thinking, "I'm going to have to go to the GP tomorrow." Like, it's that bad. Jeez. Well, not like bad enough. Like, I need to go to A and E, but it's like it's going to hurt tomorrow. So she's going to wake up in ache- aching in places she didn't know she had. <laughs> Yvonne <laughs> grabs Bridget, gets her by the neck because she's from Torchwood, Yvonne. She knows. Oh, yeah, she's she's gonna have some sort of a military police. Yeah, training. she knows. So instantly, she knows what to do. Grabs her in a headlock and tries to snap her neck. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where could this go now? Bridget is gonna retaliate by that. So little do we know, Bridget and her daughter go to taekwondo lessons after school. Oh, of course they did. Yeah. On a Tuesday. Because that's yeah, the kind of family they are. She has tennis on a Monday, taekwondo on a Tuesday, piano on a Wednesday, tennis on a Thursday, horse riding on a Friday, mm. fencing on a Saturday, and on a Sunday morning, she has archery, but only for three hours. Because she does not want to do anything but not look after a kid. Exactly. So what does Bridget do? Bridget uses one of her moves that she learned last week okay. to ankle tap Yvonne, making her collapse... In a heap on the floor. They're already on the floor. Exactly. So <laughs> what, the, what the ankle tap does is it makes her flinch and release. But in the time yeah. that she's released, Bridget has managed to free herself and, and stamp on uh, Yvonne's stomach with her knee. Oh, cruel bitch. Yeah. So it oh, it's got to Winded. <laughs> and at that point, I reckon Bridget takes a dive for the heavy glass Costa door. You know, the one that always opens the wrong way. Yeah. You think it's a push, but it's a pull. Every so time. She's and trying you know, to escape. Yeah, she's, she's yanking that door, pushing, pulling, and she can't quite work it out because okay. it's so heavy anyway. You yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. a push, but you pull it, and then you realise, oh no, it is a push, but you've got to really force <laughs> it. And that gives Yvonne time to get up. She's winded, yes. Yeah. Angry, certainly. But she's not down and out. She's not down and out. She's from Torchwood. She's a she is stronger than she looks. She, she is. races she's a beast. for Bridget just before Bridget can open the door and close it behind uh Yvonne. Yvonne whacks her head <laughs> into the window. Blood into spews that out of her nose. Glass. This is it's getting quite, quite hard. sinister now. Yeah, this is getting fierce. They hate each other now. Keep in mind, the customers and Costa like, employees aren't doing anything. They, they probably love um, it. <laughs> it is great, isn't it? It's good. So, 
The kid's in the car still playing Chubby Bunny. Yeah. Doesn't really care about her mum. Nope. Bridget's trying to get into the car. The kid, because she's a little terror, locked the car. What a little bitch. Bridget can't get in. And the kid's laughing with like a bunch of marshmallows in her face. Like, so the kid is completely oblivious it. to what's been going on. Yeah. Right. Um, so Yvonne slides across the bonnet of the car. She's managed yeah. to get out of Costa now. She slides across the bonnet of the car like some cop and gets it in another headlock. And this time she really wants Bridget dead. The kid sees this now. You yeah. take it away. Okay. The kid starts the car. Wow. Gosh, she's a dick. Yeah. Starts the car. Yeah. And l- drives for Yvonne. Mm-hmm. But in the process, clips her mom. Right. So her mom's yeah. knocked out. Yeah. Knocked out in the car park. She's not dead. She's fine. She'll be all right. Just some <laughs> a bit of concussion. Yeah. But Yvonne takes pity and says, I'm going to take you. Come with me. And, you know, you deserve better than this. Yeah. So that, I reckon, is how she sort of loses the child. Oh, because the kid just drives off. Well, the yeah, the kid. <laughs> the six-year-old just drives off in the Honda yeah. Jazz. Uh, with Yvonne in the passenger seat. So I'd Wait, say Yvonne... Yvonne's in the car? Yeah, she got in. Oh, did Okay, so she's in the car and Bridget is in the car too or she's left behind? Bridget's left behind. Right, but Bridget's still alive. She is alive, yeah. I know where this is heading. Go on. The kid drives off a massive bridge and they both die together. Sinister end? It's an end that has to happen. I suppose it is. So I really thought Yvonne, Yvonne, would be successful there and snapping Bridget's neck, but Apparently it turns not. out the kid made a sacrifice and they both died. Wow. I mean, I'm lost for words. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Yvonne goes in the dead pile. Wah, wah, wah. Oh. So that leaves Bridget to go into the dinner lady. It's the dinner lady, isn't it? What do you mean? The dinner lady wins. Nothing is going to take out this dinner lady unless it's, you know, severe. Yeah, I, I agree. Because the dinner lady does not give one shit. No, she doesn't. Where doesn't Bridget care. will be thinking, oh, my daughter, and stuff like that. Dinner Couldn't lady does not give a shit. Could not care less. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing the same thing that happened to Nina happens to Bridget. Scene Bridget, for scene. Yeah. Shot for shot. Closes her eyes. Scared shitless. And the dinner lady whacks her over the head. Yeah, with a pan. With a pan. (laughs) Done. Dinner lady reigns supreme. I wonder who the dinner lady will fight next time. Let's find out on the next episode of... Battles in Time! Time, 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 time. Well, there we go. Brilliant. So that's the end of Battles in Time. I thought it was a great episode. It was a great episode. And that's the end of um, our review of Spearhead from Space and The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. You got it. I got it. Um, it's been good. It's been a long one. It's been great. Um, so, yeah, uh, our next episodes are going to be The Moon Base and Utopia, the... Was it Utopia, The Sound of Drums and The Last of the Time Lords? Yeah. Brilliant. Moon Base, Utopia, Sound of Drums, Last of the Time Lords. Yeah. 
if you'd like to send us your feedback, just wait till the end of the podcast. Not long to go, and uh, all the information will be there for you. And I think that's about it. I think that is it. I think you could have driven to Blackpool. Um, the time it took to do this one. From where though? You're saying that. From where I am. That doesn't from really where mean much, does it? You could, yeah. Okay. You na- you were slowly could... narrowing down where we're from, so you could drive to Blackpool in two and a half hours, comfortably. Uh, so that have a cost to drive through. You've got a circumference there. Yeah, there's something to work off. Maybe one day. Maybe. I should point out as well. <laughs> I'm going to point out as well. We have got some interviews lined up in the future. Yes, we do. We do have a, a few lined up. Uh, one of which well, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say anymore. But um, we should be recording those soon and releasing those as standalone episodes. Really, aren't they? They're just going to be the bonus specials. Specials. They are specials. They are specials. I'm super excited for them now. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So there we go. That's it. Isn't I think it? that's about it. So um, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Keith and Leroy for sending in your feedback. Um, there we go. Thank you very much, Luke, for your time. Ah, oh, thank you, Harold. It's been another pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Hopefully, this or- your audio was recorded well, and this will be <laughs> fine and dandy. Uh, if not, it's just going to be forgotten about. All right then. All right then. <laughs> right. All right then. See All you the information next week. to send your feedback and everything is going to be coming up now. So take note, pens and paper at the ready. Thanks Brace very much, yourself. everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Bye now. You can send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at who can convince, email us at who can convince you at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us. <laughs>